the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left. Hello and welcome everybody to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. We are so close to rounding off the Infinity Saga. And what a journey it has been. An emotional journey. We've had grapes fighting off seals. We've had, unfortunately, spoilers aplenty for Mr. Brain. We've had camaraderie. We've had disagreements. We've had Christmas Gate. We've also had some absolutely shocking decisions from Colin in regards to who won trivia. Yep. And last, well, and last week we had our lowest ever score of, remind me, 0.5 stars for yep. Ant Man and the Wasp. Are we about to hit our first five stars? Are we going to see an even lower score somehow than 0.5? Or are we going to land somewhere in between? Let's find out as we watch Captain Marvel in a type of film we haven't seen from Marvel in a while. An origin story. But of course, first, please allow me to introduce my fellow co-hosts. Firstly, hopefully, his antibiotics have kicked in from our last episode. And I'm assuming his son is now asleep. So we may be getting more commentary bugles today. Hashtag Bring back the trumpets. Let's get it trending, people. It's Robert Trot. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The antibiotics have uh, kicked in. I had, um, after my dentist appointment, she sort of tutted, said, oh, your gum is infected. And then said, why has it been two years since you've had a, an appointment? And I said, because I couldn't afford it. Yeah, we're in the middle oh, of a yeah. cost of living crisis. And we got a toddler who is free. So, um... Dentist ranks pretty low on my spending money thing. Yeah, as far as his excuses go, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, and anyway, you sort of think if someone says they can't afford dentist appointment or having like hygienist appointment or anything like that, you'd drop it there, wouldn't you? But she said, Uh-oh. they're not expensive. <gasps> and I said, wow. it's relative. <laughs> Isn't it really? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but for some, it, wow. it, it very much is. So um, yeah. I went home and I had three cookies uh, after <laughs> taking my antibiotics. I had three <laughs> cookies out of spite, even though it hurt. <laughs> Brilliant. She, she'll never know, but, you know, the, the delicious sort of uh, payback. Revenge is sweet, literally. And last but not least, he woke up one day with distant memories of a young man, clean-shaven, working in a blockbusters in rainy Norfolk. Was it a previous life? Memories long forgotten. I'm trying desperately to tie this into Captain Marvel. <laughs> it's Colin Brain. Colin, how are you? I'm good, man. They do. I do feel like a different person from those days, but... Uh, I bet. There were some, some memories came up with the, the blockbuster video in this. Yeah, yes. that, was, that was good, man. You were the first person I thought of when it popped up as I well. Felt, I felt like finally one of these Marvel films is talking to me, you know? <laughs> oh, yes. oh, hang on. Sorry, I'm getting a bit of interference um, Already? on my mic. I am DB fact. I oh. am DB fact. So in the um, blockbuster scene, you may remember that Carol shot Arnold Schwarzenegger's head off, the cardboard cutout. 
Hmm. Wasn't the original plan. They was going to go with a big film at the time from Jim Carrey called The Mask, in which he had a green face. The idea she being... thought he was a scroll. Yeah, and was yeah. going to shoot the face off, but they couldn't get the rights. Huh, interesting. Almost get the rights. my trivia, so squeaky <laughs> bum time right now. I <laughs> know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not fucking around. Oh, no. he's coming out hard. Anymore. He wants to take the victory. There'll be no pleases this time. There'll be no more Mr. Nice, Rob. It was certainly noted by myself, so um, I'm Rob's, scared Rob's now. fed up with it, constantly going one up, draw one up, one one draw. Yep. He just wants to he wants to get a secure lead with this. He's had it before. The big right? guns are out now. Or was yeah, it Rob? Yeah. Who, who had a secure lead? Someone had a good I, lead. I, I started off with a big lead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see like there was this tennis match from um, these two guys called Mahout and Isner, and it went on for like over a day because yes, I of remember that. that. Yeah, I remember that. And I feel that <laughs> this is the Triveler, Trivia equivalent. Triveler. <laughs> Triveler. The Triveler equivalent. The Triveler tournament. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's going to be close. Um, and genuinely, we haven't done this on purpose to make it close. Sometimes no. I think that, that people might be like, oh, but yeah, you're doing that on purpose. I mean, Genuinely. to be honest, every time we get round to the trivia, none of us can even remember who went first last week, yeah. let alone who yeah. won it <laughs> and what the score is overall. <laughs> I can keep yeah, the we... score because I've got, yeah. a, I've got a spreadsheet. Okay. Tends to my geeky, geeky needs. <laughs> Speaking of your geeky needs, shall we discuss your nickname, Rob, before we uh, jump into further things? I don't know if it would be a very long discussion. <laughs> I, I said to you before we start recording that up until the point I was typing my name into the Zoom login, it was going to be something else. It was going to be Ronan the Keating instead of Ronan oh, the dear. Accuser because it was a backup yeah. for Guardians. And I thought, oh, I'll keep that in the tank. Cause... But then upon watching the film again, I thought, I don't know if I really want to give him that much hmm? honour of being one of my Zoom names. <laughs> so this time I went, instead of the supreme intelligence, I went with the average intelligence, which I feel is more my speed. Definitely apt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it hasn't been too long since we last spoke, so I'm really hoping this is another short segment. Colin, spoiler watch, are we still clear somewhat? Yeah, we're still clear. I mean... I think we already confirmed the fact that She-Hulk's a thing. Because um, mm-hmm. at the end of the credits of this one, just without right. any hesitation, She-Hulk came popping up as the next thing to click on. So, uh, But yeah. but that's already been confirmed and coming. spoiled. So, yeah, no, nothing... Doesn't do that on the Blu-ray. Just <laughs> <laughs> physical media forever, baby. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, so nothing. Good. So before we jump into the background of Captain Marvel... And obviously take a look at its uh, development and production. I thought maybe, can we spend a couple of minutes just talking about Stan Lee? Um, I have wrote a little something. Because obviously, as mentioned in our last episode, he died just before this was released. And we get that lovely little tribute to him at the beginning of um, Captain Marvel as well. So, um, yeah, and we also said that he did record one more cameo for the next film, and in that is it, unfortunately. So I think it kind of goes without saying that without Stan, the world would be a very different place. I mean that. You know, who knows what the cinema industry would look like? Because let's face it, these films are massive money makers. And, you know, not just the MCU. Before that, we had the X-Men movies, Sam Raimi's, you know, Spider-Man films. But one thing people always remembered about Stan, and I think this should go down as part of his legacy as well, is that he was a massive believer in, like... 
diversity. And, you know, something, you know, when he was writing comic books in the 60s, didn't obviously go down too well with certain communities. You know, to the point that at the end of one of his comic book issues in 1968, he actually, um, among the last page of one of these comics, featured um, a, a piece by him, I guess. So you've just read this whole thing about whether it's Spider-Man saving New York City or Iron Man and doing all this. Suddenly you end it on this page with Stan saying, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them and to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically and indiscriminately. So he would always pop these quotes like that in um, his comic book issues. And he would always use his platform to engage in politics, you know, from the Fantastic Four to the X-Men. You know, his heroes were outsiders who fought for a better society. And it's no surprise that these characters were created during the height of the civil rights movement as well. And, you know, speaking of X-Men, it's been praised for its... Uh, portrayal of mutant oppression i guess and um it's reflection of the of the fight of civil rights so fans can even i don't think stan ever really confirmed it but stan's uh, fans compare professor x's and magneto's differing views to you know sort of martin luther king's and malcolm x's differences in ideologies so yeah, like I said, uh, this film, during I think the editing, he passed away at the age of 95. He was a father, he was a grandfather, and obviously an icon to millions. And personally, you know, even without Stan, we wouldn't have this podcast, and it wouldn't allow free idiots to chat, laugh, and keep each other sane during these crazy times. So I sort of owe Stan a little bit of a salute for that one too. So, I mean, like Rob, we are surely never going to see the likes of stanley again are we i mean that sort of legacy and creative output is going to be unmatched sure yeah someone who's that influential and someone who um changes the game i think um Mm. to that level you think any media that we've got at the moment what is there that can where the game can be changed so much that that person can then go on to spearhead the future of that medium for Mm -hmm. that long yeah, it's unheard of. Do you want to hear a little anecdote I got about that opening crawl? Yeah. In a in a strange and somber um, excelsior. So yeah, I was quite taken aback by it when I went to see the film because I went to see mm. the. I was one of those screenings where I thought I'm on my own. I got the screen to myself. Oh, lovely. I went during the day. Oh, and I thought, oh lovely bliss. And just before it starts, I hear the door open. I thought, oh Christ! And it was these two old ladies. I thought, oh, that's all right. <laughs> I'm safe. And it was fine. But it, they did that whole opening crawl and it's this lovely touching moment and thank you Stan comes up on the page, mm-hmm. on the screen rather, and all you, all you hear from behind me from one of the old ladies is, who the bloody hell Stan? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess your maybe average cinema goer might not know. But, I mean, most people who watch these yeah. movies do. He's in every single one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who knows? His cameos um, are great and they'll obviously live on forever. And we've had, you know, some that are not so good, but some absolutely um, 
fantastic ones as well. So, yeah, good on you, Stan. We'll miss you. 95 is a good run as well, man. 95? Yeah, come yeah. on. Who would you I'm cast as Stan in a film? Ooh. Well, I don't really want to put this out in the internet, but I've always sort of pie in the sky. I've always wanted to write a sort of Mad Men style TV show of Stan in the 60s, mm. you know, creating these comic books and coming up against a lot of that diversity, um, adversity, should I say, when he was creating all these different comics. And yeah, I wouldn't have a clue who to cast. I mean, it's yeah, because you'd have to do the voice as well, because that voice is as, as iconic as... Well, I'm here, Hollywood. <laughs> I'm just here waiting. I saw someone do a fan poster where it was Brian Cranston. Mm. And I was like, oh, yes. I can see yeah. it with the glasses and everything and the tash. Yeah, that would be, be cool. very good. So there you go, Hollywood. At least please give me a credit. Right. Shall we jump into the background and production of Captain Marvel? Do it. Let's go. Let's go. So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. So I cheekily and specifically mentioned in our last episode that Marvel was starting to get in a bit of trouble in regards to, you know, being maybe like 20 films, just over 20 films from its studio and not one being fronted by a female superhero. Yes, we have like this massive share of really strong female characters, but, you know, it's a, it's a little curious and a little frustrating that it took this long. But plans to bring Captain Marvel into the fold were around in Marvel Studios for quite a long time. There's this moment at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron where we join Cap at Norwich UEA. Sorry, I mean uh, Avengers Headquarters. And we see the new pre-Civil War lineup of the Avengers. And Wanda Maximoff sort of seems to just randomly float down from the ceiling um, it's an odd moment. Joss Whedon actually intended that to be Captain Marvel floating in mm. right at the last scene of Age of Ultron. Um, and then, you know, as to be this one last shock to the audience, we've suddenly got this new Avenger. Kevin Feige. Who's she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> um, Kevin Feige soon found out about this scene and gave him a big fat no-no. So they actually added mm. Wonder. Uh, in place with the wonderful use of CGI. Feige's reasoning was that he, he's always had it in his head that when they finally introduced Captain Marvel, she should get her own origin story done as a movie. And bringing her in all of a sudden already fully formed might not be wise. You know, embarrassingly as well, DC kind of beat Marvel to the punch here as well. It, because I think DC Studios were on like their third or fourth movie when they released uh, Wonder Woman. And... Wonder Woman was actually, DC, you know, I'm sure we'll get down into it down the line. They struggled every now and then, or most of the time, with their output. But Wonder Woman was actually a huge success, both critically and box office-wise. So, whether you believe him or not, Kevin Feige's reasoning behind the delay on getting Carol Danvers to screen was because her powers are quite cosmic, he said. And he wanted the MCU to get a couple of cosmic films under its belt, such as the two Guardians movies and stuff like that, before introducing Carol. So in 2015, a creative team was hired to start drafting up a script of Captain Marvel. That team consisted of Meg LaFauve. I really hope I pronounced that right. Uh, she was one of the writers on Pixar's Inside Out. And also Nicole Perlman, who did the first draft of the script of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy before... 
James Gunn came on board and did his extensive rewrite. But a lot of that structure, apparently, of the first Guardians film was based on Perlman's script. And it was also a conscious decision to have a female filmmaking team on board too, from the writers, the composer, even the editor. And the release date was even set for International Women's Day. Now, the process in casting Carol Danvers as well was a really easy one. Brie Larson had just won the Oscar for Best Actress for a film called Room. And Marvel decided to offer her the position outright. No audition process, no self-tapes. If she wanted the role, it was hers. And to be honest, it did take her a little while to say yes. Obviously, it's well-known knowledge now that these films kind of take over your life. Um, you're, You're in for the long haul most of the time and you are contracted to it as well. Um, so she quite rightly made, uh, took a little bit of time to weigh it up, but um, she obviously accepted. She actually accepted as well before a director came on board. Uh, so she actually helped Marvel out in regards to finding out who got the director's chair. And over the course of a, an entire year, they were looking for a director. So she was well into this process for a long time. Uh, so they met with... Um, couple of names here Nikki Caro who was working on Disney's live action Mulan uh, Jennifer Kent who was the director of the terrifying uh, the Babadook uh, Jennifer Yu Nelson who directed Kung Fu Panda 2 Sam Taylor Johnson directed the first 50 shades of gray and also Lorene uh, Scafaria who directed the incredible Hustlers so like I said they were searching for these uh, uh, this director for uh, over a year and But in April 2017, they finally landed on their director, or should I say, directors, because Marvel announced that two people, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, would be helming the film. Now, Bowden and Fleck come from like an independent background. They're directed as a duo uh, a couple of times with films with uh, Mississippi Grind and Half Nelson with Ryan Gosling. And they'd also done some great work in TV as well um, in shows. They did Billions and they also did a few episodes of The Affair. A really, really interesting show. You, if anyone... Have you seen Half Nelson? Yes. Yeah, it's very good. Very yeah. good. And uh, yeah, um, The Affair as well. Any fans mm. of TV, if you haven't seen The Affair, definitely watch that. It's really, really interesting. Now, what helped Bowden and Fleck get the job was something they mentioned in a meeting with Kevin Feige. And they said that the 90s setting for the film really excited them. And they wanted to look at Terminator 2 as like a visual template for the film, as well as listing all these other really cool 90s action movies. Now, by the time cameras started rolling, there was a total of seven writers for the film. And even just before filming began, um, Marvel quickly rushed in two writers, um, Liz um, Flahiv and Carly Mensch from the Netflix TV show Glow, Glamorous Ladies of Wrestling. Um, Great show again. And they also came in to help brush up on the script. So Captain Marvel was released on March 8th, 2019, just two months before the next Marvel film, which happens to be a very big marvel film and there was questions as to whether releasing this just two months before screw it an avengers movie we know colin knows (laughs) whether this would help or hinder the movie well they need not have worried as captain marvel had an opening weekend of 153 million dollars now this was introducing a new character a relatively unknown character at that 
And it was also an origin story. So Marvel were kind of expecting some Ant-Man style numbers, which obviously would still be considered a success. This thing broke a billion dollars worldwide by the end of its run. It made $1.13 billion, which is amazingly more than Thor Ragnarok, both Guardians movies and even Doctor Strange. It was just shy of Civil War. So yes, a massive success for Marvel. And long term wise, it helped pave the way for Marvel to create more content with female leads and open the doors for more diverse casting in the future in terms of um, who leads a film. But fuck that billion dollars. Fuck the hype. Because what really matters (laughs) right here and now. This is what they did it for. (laughs) Exactly. Is what Mr. Colin brain thought of the film we have no colin's given us zero indication Mm, i'm good at that (laughs) so colin captain marvel yes what did you think i think this one was this was a good entry into the mcu even though we didn't exactly move move on right from the point of uh the end of the last avengers which i know in the ant-man episode i was just saying fuck it let's get on with it Mm -hmm. um as much as i was saying all that that worried me going into this maybe a little bit. yeah yeah well because i mean i I, again i didn't even know who captain marvel was so i I had no idea what was going to happen or whatever but um this felt like it was necessary even though it wasn't a straight away carry on from the from the snap and and that and that section it felt Mm -hmm. like this was a necessary film Yep. And I did. I, there was a lot. There, there, there was a lot to like about it. So it was enjoyable for me. But I would say, like in a lot of these films, the same sort of um, critiques, I guess you could say, that I bring up were, mm-hmm. were rearing their head a lot throughout it. And yep. um, as, as we'll get into it as it goes along. But no, all in all, it was a, I think, a solid entry into this franchise. And I can imagine that most people I, I would have thought would have enjoyed it a lot if they're fans of the film because you get a lot man you get a lot from it in terms of story by the mm-hmm. end of it you've had a lot of um yeah and and, and it does build up to what's next which it does it yeah. gets you more hyped up for it i think oh yes it does yeah so all in all i mean a massive improvement from from the last one we watched for sure good rob how was the rewatch um, i'm assuming co- blu-ray with commentary I, I've watched it with the. Uh, was, that, was that a bugle or a trumpet? That was a, that was a trumpet. That like no, a no, trumpet. no, 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 that's a bugle. Oh, you need no, to train no. your ears more. Mate. Nah, mate, you've you've picked up the wrong instrument. That was a definite. It's the year of the bugle. <laughs> um, yeah, so the audio commentary was with uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, and um, and Fleck they they did with their knowledge. Oh, no. It was full of uh, insightful <laughs> tidbits of information. Oh, if you don't like that pun, if that doesn't bode well for the rest of oh. it. <laughs> oh. um, but I'll say this, right? So I'd watched this once in the cinema and then once when it came out on Blu-ray and I hadn't watched it since. Mm. And I, I was kind of a bit mm, meh about it. Yep. And I rewatched it and I thoroughly enjoyed it this time. Mm. I enjoyed it a whole lot more this time around. I'm sure we'll get more in depth on it, but I thought it was really well edited. There were some interesting sort of choices made with how they edited and presented and shot certain sections. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's good fun. I thought there was a, you know, I, I remembered it being a, a massive mess and I don't think it's as big a mess as I remembered it. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> interesting. I it. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Um, maybe I should have put this in the, you know, the the background to the film as well. But to give Colin a bit of context around the, the release of this film, because bloody hell. So on Rotten Tomatoes, obviously you have a critic score and you have an audience score. Yeah. This has an audience score of 45%, so very, Holy very low. Holy shit. But, That's low. But, no, it, but it got what is called review bombed. I don't know if you're familiar with what review bombing is. It sounds terrible and, all, and just a waste of time. It already. is. It is yeah. terrible and a waste of time. <laughs> That's so what it sounds like. <laughs> it's when a large group of people uh-huh. decide as a group, let's all vote for it as low as possible wherever we can because fuck this film okay now this film obviously has a very feminist message and quite rightly so oh um, shit but okay obviously mm. unfortunately obviously there was a large section of the film community that were immediately like fuck this film so its audience score on both Rotten Tomatoes and IMDB were both incredibly low before the film was even released. So this enraged them even more when Brie Larson asked that all interviews that she was in in the lead-up to the film's release, with so any interview with any media outlet, whether that be magazine, TV show, every single interview in all the junkets in all countries across the world, were meant were to be with a female journalist or she wouldn't do the interview. Mainly because... A, it kind of keeps in theme with the film, and she wanted to help promote female journalism and their voices. Yeah, again, I was well up for that. I've obviously, I mean, how can you even say no to that? But oh my goodness, the outrage this caused. The internet became a very, very nasty place in them throughout the whole release of this film, really. And I'll never forget seeing some of the reactions. It, it wasn't very nice. Can you remember some of all that, Rob, when it happened? Yeah, it was. It's just horrible. There's people saying how she's, they were like, there's like dissection videos on YouTube of people like she'd be doing interviews about the film on TV and people be like picking apart saying she's, you know, she's rude or she's cold and like almost like dissecting her body language and things. And what really makes me sick, especially is when you look back at a quote like that from Stan Lee. Exactly, with, yeah, with yeah. Bigots and idiots. And they all think they're doing it, oh, yeah, this has gone woke, this isn't mm. our comics, this is our Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's No, you you misunderstand Marvel at a fundamental level. If, mm-hmm. Or you just misunderstand life at a fundamental level, <laughs> if you think that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. Um, mm-hmm. Art is, isn't, um, not all art is for everyone. You're not going to walk through a gallery and go, I loved every single painting I saw in there. Because yep. that would just be boring. Mm-hmm. Just let other people enjoy some things that you don't like. That's fine. That's yeah. absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah, and also, like, what a complete and utter waste of someone's time to yeah. sit on the internet and just spread negative bullshit. I mean, mm-hmm. just... You know that those kind of neckbeards are going to be sat on their sort of, like, on their deathbed going to their grandson or, you know, their grandchild. When I was younger, I was involved in the review bombing of Captain Marvel. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> They'll yeah. be super proud of it. 
It's just um, yeah, it's just sad, isn't it? Let's be honest. If if there's any film that's uh, like ready for review bombing, it should be Iron Man three after George's five star rating. That's <laughs> the only one we you. need to ever think about review bombing. Well, I did bombing. do amazingly on reviews. Did it? Okay. No. It, it splits people. So yeah, yeah. The, the same people. It's not my Mandarin. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it, just I, a terrible it, film, mate. Christmas, Forget about oh. if it's Mandarin or not. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it, she she was. There's no other word for it. She was bullied, and you know, there's this horrible clip of an interview I saw. She was on a red carpet, and someone said, "So, like a Captain Marvel two or any team up movies? When are we seeing you next?" And she just like was like, "I don't even know if they want me back." Like, and you could tell she it's upset her, but. Um, Yes, hor- horrendous. But let's let's um, get more into the film, I guess. So, saying all of that, it's actually been about two years since I revisited this film as well. And you know, I've always been fond of it. But I again, I really, really enjoyed this rewatch. I think it has a bit of a rough start, but I think the the second we land through that roof at Blockbusters, everything sort of clicks. And um, this film does feel different from other Marvel projects, and I'm glad it feels different. And it is nice to see a sort sort of smaller scale origin story again because the next one is all out just insane stop stop nope, hyping. stop no nope, no up. hype i'm not no even listening hype. to be honest he's, I've he's stopped. yeah I've, i switch off sometimes when george talks right so brilliant <laughs> i know that anyway so shall <laughs> we do a deep dive yeah let's yes. go so in 1995 on the kree empire's capital planet of hala stuff Brilliant. Star Force member (laughs) Veers suffers from amnesia and recurring nightmares involving an older woman. Yon-Rog, her mentor and commander, trains Veers to control her abilities, whilst the supreme intelligence, the artificial intelligence that rules the Kree, urges her to keep her emotions in check. So, I mean, let's go, let's kick off straight away with the big questions. Colin, Brie Larson as carol danvers um so your thoughts on both our new as a character captain marvel and the mm. performance of brie larson you can say if you didn't like it you can be honest we're not going to re- put you in the same group as those review bombers i don't want that to influence what you're about look to man say. Look, look look let me stop you there i'm not going to be influenced by anyone in any of my thoughts or opinions on these films i don't care what the review bombers say even if everyone review fucking what's the opposite of review loving Probably. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to give you my personal opinion regardless of if I piss people off or if I make them happy. Good. Anyway, um, let's get into it. So <laughs> Captain Marvel as a character I thought was um, was cool, man. No, I really liked it. I, I, and to be fair, I, I don't know if I agree so much in in saying that this film felt fresh or new or mm-hmm. overly different to many of the other ones. I can kind of see that thought process in sometimes the tone felt very different and almost distractingly different. There were a couple of times in the real sci-fi deep parts of it that I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, this feels, this doesn't even feel like a Marvel film right now. This feels like from like, you know, maybe even the star Wars universe in points, which was Mm -hmm. a little bit like distracting, but anyway, sorry, back to captain Marvel. Um, but what my point was, it was nice to see an origin film again, because it felt like it had been a while since we had seen an origin. Um, that was cool. I think it, yeah, I think the character as a whole was good. I think it's a character that I'm looking forward to seeing more of, and I feel like this character um, will will slot in with the others very nicely. And that almost kind of mirrors my thoughts on Brie Larson as well. I thought she was probably the best part of the film for me. Uh, mm-hmm. The performance was really solid, and again, like, I mean, I don't really know much of her 
uh, previous sort of yeah. film, uh, you know, discography or whatever. You, no, it's not discography, filmography, my bad, music. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so she I, did start out in music, so... Oh, there you go then. Um, I don't know a discography or a filmography, but um, <laughs> my point was is that I, uh, seeing her straight away, I, I didn't know if this was like her first breakout role or whatever, so... Yep. But regardless if it was or wasn't, I feel like she could easily stand in with Robert Downey Jr. With in the, the big scene. Boys, yeah. And, yeah, and and I feel like there would be no part of me thinking like, oh, you know, she's not quite on the same level as that. So yeah. no, all in all, man, like I, I thought it was a really cool... It, it, yeah, it was good. She was good. good. Character was Ex- cool. So excited to see more of her then? Most definitely, yeah. Especially with like... How bad Ash she seems to be, like, but, you especially know, so, by the end. Yeah, yeah, by the end. Maybe man, like, even the most superpowered person we now have. Yeah, and and some 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 great visuals as well. Like in yeah. in some of those moments where she she's using her powers and when she gets them, and yeah, there was. It, it by was the fun, end, man. I was even like, she's Superman. I I I can yeah, I, I, I yeah, can get yeah, into true, this. True, true, yeah. <laughs> also, one one thing that I did want to ask you guys about, and I don't know if this was just me, maybe switching off a little bit towards the end. But it felt like the, the 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 sort of reveal of why she's called Captain Marvel kind of didn't really... I, I didn't really get it. It was like a play on words, but then it wasn't really ever confirmed or mentioned. So she's, if, never, she's never called Captain Marvel in this film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it felt a little... So, okay. Is, so, But Rob, there's <laughs> someone called like Marvel in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was so what I remember. Annette and then Benning's character, yeah. she plays someone called Dr. Lawson, who... She believed to be human. Carol yes. Danvers believed to be human all throughout it, but turned out she was a member of Jude Law's um, That's race. It, yeah, and they She's all had Cree, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and her that real name was Marvel mm. with a hyphen in between. Yeah. So I'm guessing it was like in her honour she okay. would become. So yeah. so so no one's actually referred to her as Captain Marvel yet because I I've, no. I haven't. So no. okay, all right, all right, cool. And I think the first time we i'm going to be very careful here the first time we yeah. hear the words captain marvel mm. um is said by another character in a couple of films time and um yes oh okay Fair we enough. just instinctively obviously we know it's her because she had the film named after her but obviously by that point she's um she's been given her name i guess or she's sure. got the name yeah but interestingly she's never called captain marvel in this film cool. um rob how is brie larson for you I was super excited when she got announced. Yeah. Because um, one of both of our favourite films is a film called Short Term 12, which she she's incredible in. It's a masterclass of you know, directing, acting, everything. Um, yeah. Highly recommend that. She does quite an understated performance at times. There's times where it looks like she's almost doing nothing, but she's doing everything. It's mm-hmm. just brilliant. There's a, there's a moment where she first finds that dossier... And she's looking through it, and she realizes that she's the pilot. Yeah, and she was human, and that some she's been lied to, and something's not right. And uh, Fury looks at her and says, "Are we okay?" And she just sort of like, not if she sort of darts her eye to the right at him, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And she can tell there's a little bit of eye, you know, her eyes getting a little bit glassy, but not enough to cry. But it's so much in it, and she barely moves at all. Yeah, Brie Larson's brilliant. She, I'll say this about old Brie: never puts in a cheesy performance, does she? Oh no! Oh, <laughs> that both took us a second. Oh. Took you longer than it needed to. I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, was mean, just, how... I was just hoping it wasn't another one for a bit, but then yeah. <laughs> no. It's all right. I'm done now. 
<laughs> no, the, you're not done. We've already no. just got started with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> the average intelligence is not done with his puns. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I honestly, I think it might have been a bit of a misstep in this film having the character Carol Danvers being um, be an amnesiac because mm. I think by that definition, it sort of makes the character a bit of a blank page because Brie Larson then has to play someone that doesn't even know who they are. So she's right from the get go, I think given a very, very difficult task. And we know mm. she's amazing. As Rob just said, she is the lead in my number one favorite film of all time. Short term 12 stunning. She just won the Academy Award for Best Actress as well. So we know she's great. And But yeah, I mean, I'm all up for an origin story. But hiding who the actual character of Carol Danvers is to the audience and essentially the actress as well, making her have mm. to having to hide that is always going to be difficult. I don't know if I agree. Oh, yeah, really? I think, I think there's some, there's some interesting bits where, especially in the start of the film, where she's, you can tell she's very sort of like stick in the mud, trying to be that everything that old um, Jude Law wants her to be. Mm -hmm. You know, control your emotions or they control you and all that sort of thing. Yep. But then there's just these moments of character that sort of, I don't know, they, they almost speak louder because they're not there throughout the whole film for mm -hmm. me. Like, mm -hmm. so there's a moment where that scroll roars at her and she sort of goes back at him yeah, yeah, and yeah. sticks her tug at him and roars at him. Mm -hmm. And there's like these little moments of the human character underneath yep. coming through the sort of brainwashed version. Yep. And I find those moments hit harder when she's being more human. Like when she gets Nick, she lets Nick Fury sort of sing for longer than he needed to and things. Mm -hmm. Those moments of levity work more because she's reserved for the rest of it, if that makes yeah, sense, yeah. for me yeah. at least. No, I can definitely see that in that, you know, if she comes from a place where people are constantly telling her to suppress her emotions, control her emotions and things mm. like that, then maybe that is the way you play that character as well. I definitely, yeah, I can see that and I, I'll agree with you there. And I remember when this film came out as well, how powerful that is. That the, You know, you don't realise it maybe until the end that that is what the film is very sneakily doing that. And even the supreme intelligence and obviously, is it Yon Rog, is they're mm. all telling her, you'll be much more powerful if you just control your emotions. You know, do suppress everything and you'll be you'll be more powerful and things like that yeah. and this was coming you know just after the u.s election where it came between donald trump and hillary clinton and the discussion of oh a woman shouldn't be president she, she's too emotional and things like that and how powerful i mean we're skipping right to the end maybe i should stick save this till the end but how powerful that moment is when she realizes what if i don't hold back my emotions yeah um <laughs> And she becomes much more powerful than she's ever been before. I love mm. that, though. I will say that. Um, yeah. Very much a fan of that in terms of the character. Colin, were you annoyed? I think you kind of already hinted at this, that this film was set in 1995. Because as we said, you know, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, you really wanted to move forward with that present-day storyline. Mm. So when you first realised that maybe we're, we're still in the past a little bit, was it frustrating to see? Or were you just... No. Uh, Brace to see a, a, an origin story set in the past. 
I was along for the ride um, because it was sort of there was enough intrigue there for me to you know be okay with the fact we're not just carrying straight on with the other one. Yeah, I would say that the '90s nostalgia was a little fuck. It was a little like overly force fed by the end of the film. It's like yes, you know what I mean. Like it's nice, and obviously we 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 grew up in that era, and I'm sure anyone our age would have enjoyed it and. You know, a lot of those things do give you a bit of a, oh, yeah, shit. Like, I mean, the Blockbusters was the biggest one for me because obviously yeah. I worked there. So I was thinking of all the amazing, you know, the amazing times I had there and and how, how crazy that place used to get on a Friday night and stuff. You know, like all, all of those good memories. But by the end of the film, it was like... So like you know, they're, they're very out there with the 90s needle drops. Do you think they're out there? I thought they were on two on the nose. Maybe not out there, but I mean like they're oh, okay. very maybe heavy handed. Like there's lots, yeah. there's lots like, of needle funny. drops in this we, film. We 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 didn't need Nirvana coming on. In Nirvana's like a weird... weird to me when like, like, is... yeah, that's a weird sequence. And and I even thought to myself when it came on, I was like, why have they used Nirvana? And then I went, oh, it's nineties nostalgia film, isn't it? Like it just, <laughs> and that sort of was coming up quite a bit with it. It was. It's also the film set in ninety five, and that song didn't come out till ninety six. I think. Oh well, Ooh, there you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only one that is like that. And also, and normally like... I, I let those things go, mm. but it didn't really serve a purpose in the scene other than to make it seem like a sort of more atmospheric. Yeah, yeah, it does. At this it, moment, which they could have just used that song as a um, an example to the composer. We want something that has that kind exactly. of like foreboding, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sort of opening. But so, and and I do think we'll probably get to it a bit more when we talk specific action beats and stuff. But again, it was the same sort of thing with me. It was like it was things that you've already seen in every mm-hmm. uh, sort of action film from that era, and it just kind of felt like a lot of those sort of forced on top of each other um so no to answer your question i wasn't bothered that we were getting a backstory and we weren't in like the present day but i do Mm -hmm. feel like they really did play the whole like nostalgia button a little too many times my and i don't know it's just my brain i just pick up on those things and they irritate me when i start picking up on them and all that does is just kind of take me away from being in the moment of watching the film you know no i get it It's, it's a little nostalgia heavy at points but i will say by the time we get to that final fight scene and um just a girl starts playing i'm all in that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm a big fan of that sequence. My, sure. I sent George a video of this the other day. We was in the car, and it was the day I was going to be watching Captain Marvel, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put on a track and um, put Just a Girl on, and my son just went nuts. <laughs> he was dancing so much in the back of the car. It's great energy in that tune. Yeah, and yeah, he was mm. absolutely loving it, and it was like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I wonder, I just only thought about this, right? So for us, it feels like heavy-handed nostalgia. But do you think there's an element of uh, you know, a big member, you know, component of the audience might not have been alive during that time? Yeah, no, I think for, for a for young... The chosen girl, audience. Yeah. So, so for them, it's like a sort of, this is a cultural standpoint of what this time was like. We can't necessarily do it through dialogue all the time. So yeah. here's the music. But to us, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, Christ... Yeah, which is this or this. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it is. If you were a teenager watching this film, then you'd probably be like, oh, this is crazy. Like, what are all these references? And who is, Mm. what's that t shirt mean? And stuff, you know, like all of those things. But I'm not, I'm 32. I almost passed out in the cinema of happiness when Carol Danvers wears a nine inch nails shirt. (laughs) <laughs> I'd be really, in, I'd be really intrigued to see if the, the stats of the streaming numbers for that band after the release of this film, because I can yeah. imagine that is that is like an entire generation of people are now you know introduced to a band like that, which is Who's not a bad Nin? thing at all. Who's Nin? <laughs> <laughs> but you know Who's they could have. 
But a bit, a bit, got... stand, a bit that stands in that nin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did quite enjoy the fact that it was um, Ant Man and the Wasp felt like it could have come any part of Phase Three, but this could only ever have been come out after that Infinity War post credit. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. this yeah. felt and like so it, it, they yeah. had to go backwards. They couldn't tell the story of after he pressed that pager. Yeah, they had to explain how he got the page and who that is and what that relationship is because that's the intro- that's the meat of the story whereas Ant-Man was, could have been anywhere and I think that's the difference between those two films is that one sort of feels like it's got a purpose and the other one doesn't there's many many differences <laughs> <laughs> now during a mission to rescue an undercover operative infiltrating a group of scrolls which are alien shapeshifters with whom the Kree are at war with Veers is captured by a scroll commander Talos a probe of Veers's memories then leads them to Earth. So, a fairly complex villain time here, I guess. But spoilers, our villain isn't properly revealed uh, to be the villain until the third act. So, Colin, did the film have you convinced that the scrolls were the villains here? Or did you suspect something else with Jude Law's character of Yon rog I didn't expect anything with Jude Law's character. Um, I was enjoying his character in the first part and mm-hmm. I was a little bit like, I was slightly annoyed that it felt like we were leaving him in the dust a bit once yeah. she ended up on on, um, on Earth. But then on the same hand, what are they called? Crogs. Scrolls. Oh, scrolls. <laughs> Not what did you say? Crogs. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> Crogs is better. Crogs. Um, scrolls. I, I wasn't so sold that they were going to be the main villain either. I felt like th- that was a fun element. The mm-hmm. the main the main Krog was pretty cool, brilliant. But I wasn't. I I didn't think that. that I, I thought to myself, I don't think that's going to be main villain time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought there was more coming. Mm. Uh, so then, once revealed to be the villain, how was Jude Law as the villain, Yon Rock? I mean, I like Jude Law. I think. Um, I think he the interactions between him and. Brie Larson as actors in the first part of the film, I thought was was good. I thought those two on, had some good on-screen chemistry, although yeah. it was obviously not the most positive of things they were doing. It was, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, their actual relationship was a bit dysfunctional, but I thought that they really worked well together. And I, I was sort of, I was up at that point, I was up for staying with those guys for yeah. a while. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I really liked those environments that they were in as well. Some of those more like sci-fi sort of neon dystopian yeah. worlds i thought they visually were really good and uh, i like like normal I, i'd love to spend more time in those areas because yep. it kind of did feel like as you know let's take the interesting new character and throw him down on earth and see mm-hmm. what happens which to me we've seen already a bunch of times. i know it's not identical but no, i get it yeah. that has happened a lot mm-hmm. but no i thought jude law was cool and I, I liked the i liked the fact he ended up being the the villain and, um, so you wouldn't have preferred the scrolls to be the villains you liked that he ended up I becoming mean, a villain at the end? I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that... I mean, the scrolls were fun. I like the shape-shifting element. Look, yeah. again, it's it's nothing new. I mean, it's been done to death in, in film. But yeah. it does it does add that element of, like, you start second-guessing most of the characters that mm. come up on screen. Like, yeah. oh, wait, is that going to be one of those? And then you're like, oh, wait, I saw... You start thinking about... Okay, so we had like four of them earlier, and we've only seen like two of mm-hmm. them revealed yet. So who's the next one going to be? So then yeah. you're like doubting who that next person is, and that to me is immersive at that point, and sure. it keeps me someone who's got terrible attention span with these films. You know, it ke- it keeps me in them, and and that. I'm that going does... to tell Colin a, a a theory that was out of the time. Okay, was making everyone sort of go scratch their heads. Um, so there's a moment where Fury says, 
uh, he's trying to prove he's not a scroll, and he's with all these weird details. And he says, if, "Was it if someone cuts, cuts my toast diagonally? I can't eat it." Yeah. So there's a moment where he makes himself a sandwich in um, Age of Ultron. Oh. Right, and for ages everyone was like, "It's diagonal." He's a scroll. He's a scroll. <laughs> but if you like, there's, there's this channel I watch on the YouTube called New Rockstars, and they go through frame by frame. And it's like there's four corners on it <laughs> on, <laughs> on the side of bread. That is not a triangle. Oh, He's shit. not cut it in a triangle. They debunked it. Like, drop it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I really like the scrolls. I think yeah, the scrolls were fun. Yeah, the scrolls were fun. And I, I kind of I agree with you as well with Jude Law. I I thought he was a bit of a wet fart to be honest when I first saw it, but then. Mm this time around enjoyed it a lot more knowing the twist because I think it's one of those where the twist actually improves a, a rewatch because all those early bits where he, she said, I was having those dreams again. He's like, what, what were the, like, he's asking her about the dreams and what she mm. saw. And you know, it's from a perspective of how much do you remember what, you know, how, yep. how careful yeah. have I got to be? I, in I, was there. I was there when you fell into yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's really, you could, the, the gaslighting is, next level and it's a lot more interesting once you know that mm. and the way he plays those early scenes mm. it's uh it's great and I, like you said their dialogue was brilliant yeah, when, yeah um, i thought their on-screen chemistry was great yeah. she's like i slipped and he's like as a result of me punching you in the face and she said i was slipping and you happened to punch me in the <laughs> face the two <laughs> events aren't related <laughs> <laughs> oh shit so yeah. fans were very 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 excited when they announced that the scrolls were going to be in this because rob there's a very popular comic mm. book run with the scrolls right um oh, I, there is. Okay. I, yeah i'll yeah. be honest i've never read it but it's very famous it's called secret invasion rob have you read it do you know much about secret invasion i haven't all? read it no but i've seen the scrolls a lot in they do pop up in fantastic four and x-men a lot as well mm. there was there was an element in x-men that was which i don't ever see happening in the mcu so i don't think this is a going Go to potentially give anything away there's a moment where wolverine becomes one of the the horsemen of the apocalypse oh um but it's revealed like because wolverine dies on this mission everyone's like he's dead he's dead wolverine's dead and there's this just this geezer going around with a massive sword calling himself death killing people and then cyclops manages to unveil his uh the mask and underneath it's wolverine and then it's revealed that the one that died was a scroll mm. and oh. they've been swapped out nice <laughs> It's like so. There's loads of cool things you could do with scrolls, and for an additional audio commentary facts, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, nicknamed actor Ben Mendelsohn, who played um, Talos, the leader of the scrolls, they called him Ben Mendel Scroll and continue to do so. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I really liked him, man. Like I thought he was a real, like a, a personality that we probably haven't seen yet. One thing I couldn't figure out, and you guys will be able to confirm it for me. Was he Australian trying to be British or was he British trying to be Australian? Because so, it really felt like he was bouncing Australian around throughout the film. actor. Okay. Um, ben Mendelsohn is incredible. He's one of my favourite actors. Great. I think he's absolutely brilliant. So they made the decision, when he is a scroll, keep your Australian accent. When oh. he's pretending to be like the agent, okay. go okay. American. Yeah. Oh, it was American. Jesus. Okay, I well, didn't catch much be, American. Think, yeah. It felt it felt British or Australian to me. Oh, but, you um, can get away with it when it's an alien trying to impersonate. Yeah, it, it? yeah, yeah. Quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. but no, I, I thought he was great. He's so, he's so funny. He brings this really fresh attitude to the film as yep. well. And considering he's covered head to toe in green makeup, he still manages to create this yeah. really great character. Yeah, 
the mannerisms he's got so are many there. funny deliveries when he comes in later in the film and he's like you should be nicer to your neighbors <laughs> <laughs> drinking yeah. like out of a, a fast food sort of um... yeah doing the michael madsen reservoir dogs moment yeah. just leaning against the food drinking milkshake yeah his character brought like a level of swag that i don't think we've really seen yet in the yeah. mcu it was yeah. it was nice it was nice to see it okay it, so it was, do you want to see him again then? i'm assuming you do oh yeah man i'd love to yeah cool so veers escapes and crash lands in los angeles her presence attracts shield agents nick fury and phil colson whose investigation is interrupted by a scroll attack veers recovers a crystal containing her extracted memories in the ensuing chase whilst fury kills a scroll impersonating colson colin Mm. Nick Fury and the return of Coulson. Were you happy to see them in the film? Because you may have noticed that both of their faces were pretty much CGI throughout this entire film. They were both de-aged around 20 years for Captain Marvel. And I think it's near miraculous CGI. Sam Jackson looks so good in this film. There are times where I forget they've de-aged him. And it's only kind of, if you if you go back to, let's say that, post-credit scene of infinity war and then look at him in captain marvel you realize just how impressive that cgi is so yeah happy to see them back yeah oh. but i don't know if i hold the same opinion on the cgi as you do okay so uh, it, you could see through the uh, the cracks a little bit well look let me get this straight i don't want to i think it's incredibly impressive that they've managed to do that like I mean, the even thought of doing that is just madness to me, the yeah. fact that they actually have the ability to even mm. attempt it and for it to look as good as it did. So I'm not necessarily saying it looks bad, mm-hmm. but for me personally, as soon as I noticed, I then couldn't not notice. Yep. And it, it, uh, I must admit, though, towards the back end of the film, and this is probably credit to Samuel Jackson just doing such a great job in the role mm-hmm. of like, I, I, I was sort of over it by that point. Yep. Mm. Um, but I would say because actually this is the first one and I'm going to start doing this now as the recurring the recurring of me watching these films unless we get to get together to watch them is I watched this one with Stacey actually cool. so we sat down and we watched it together in the evening and it was kind of nice actually to watch it with her because I got like mm. another side of it and I, love you know, that. I was and she hasn't she had never seen it actually even though she's seen most of them she actually had, hadn't seen this one so um but anyway I, I kept saying to her like yeah, as soon as it came up, I was like, oh, no, they've, they've done something to his face, haven't they? <laughs> and then like, I, throughout the film, I kept sort of bringing it up. And she's like, how are you not over this yet? But for, I just can't. I just can't. Yeah. There's just something there. And also, like, I was thinking, how would you approach this if CGI wasn't around, like, if this film was made before that? And I think you'd just cast a young guy to play the role, yeah. a younger version. Yeah, probably. And like, to me, to me, I feel like in, in a franchise like this, that would have been a great opportunity to give like a new young up and coming actor mm-hmm. the chance to play a role like this. And instead we've given it to, I'm not, not trying to take work away yeah. from the guy, but Samuel Jackson, who let's be honest, is in pretty much every film. I think in any other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my, he's my number one watched actor. If, if you go on my letterbox to count. I think yeah. he's everyone's number one yeah, watched actor. If you've watched 38 films. 38 films. I've got Samuel L. Jackson mm. down as, um, not so surprised. I think in any other time period, yes, you recast. But we know Marvel have got the technology. They've done it many times now, whether they've de-aged Michael Douglas at the beginning of Ant-Man, Tony Stark, they've done it to Robert Downey Jr., uh, Kurt Russell, beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, Um, Robert Downey Jr. um, in a scene in Civil War. I think if you've got the technology and they feel like they're constantly improving it, I just think 
It was the most they'd done it in this. Obviously, Coulson's not in it as much, and they give him a pretty gnarly syrup to go on his head. Yeah. Um, mm. For our American listeners, syrup is Cockney rhyming slang for wig. <laughs> syrup of figs, wig. Needed <laughs> <laughs> its own jingle. <laughs> I think for the sheer amount that Samuel Jackson's in it, compared to all those other de-aging moments, have been really, really brief. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we even touched on the Ant-Man and the Wasp one because they do it to Michelle Pfeiffer as well at the beginning of that film. Yeah. But she, she, he's in it a lot. Yeah, it is impressive. It is impressive, yeah. yeah. I think the only the cracks I have, and I kind of just try to ignore them, is he may have the appearance of like a 20 years younger Samuel Jackson, <laughs> but he still runs like a, like a 70-year-old <laughs> yes, man, doesn't he? His movements are a little sluggish for sure. Uh, yeah, like the fight scene between him and Talos is like watching... Yeah, you know, two older men have a, a scuffle, but he's got the face of a younger man. So it's, it, I think that's yeah. You know, but he plays it with such a youthful yeah. exuberance. Yeah, he he does a great job. Yeah, I mean he's second he's second billing here, and it's his biggest role in the MCU. Considering he we first saw him at the end of the first film, the mm. fact that he's now like the second he's the co lead in a, in mm. a film twenty twenty one films in is great, and he and he does he smashes it. He gets to do something different. Like when, when he puts that, um, he figures out that he can do the fingerprint lock. Mm-hmm. He does it and he does his little hee hee hee, little giggle. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like I said, as much as I said it was off putting and that, and I, mm. I, I honestly think I would have preferred to have a different actor yeah. play it just for the, the fun of it, really. But, um, mm. but yeah, the, all that aside, Samuel Jackson did a cracking job throughout this. I and think he, and if they, he was a if lot they ever fun. did something back in his wartime, mm. like when he was much much younger mm. yeah like pre-captain marvel i'd like to see them there was a nick fury script around the time of maybe even before the first guardians but obviously nothing ever came of it so mm. yeah they've always wanted to do more with him and yet he's having so much fun in this the other in maybe the other appearances in the mcu maybe he's just there for exposition or to tease something else this is the first time he gets to play a bit of a character i think and he he improvised a lot on set as well. There's that moment when just mm. after they've done the autopsy of the scroll, and he, him and Ben Mendelsohn are standing there, and he he takes a peek under the um, under the the, the cloth and gives a, a little look to Mendelsohn, then walks off. Completely improvised by Samuel L. Jackson on the spot. Um, love little bits like that, and I know I'm an easy target here, but I love all the fake outs they do with his eye. Like he's constantly getting hit and punched, or he's constantly hurting his eye and you're like, this is how he loses it. This is how he loses it. And his characters are always like, how's your eye? And he's like, no, it's fine. And it's all the fake outs. I really like. I can't believe what it's seeing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, the fact that he wears a patch because he got scratched by a flurkin still makes me laugh. I think he's utterly ridiculous. And his delivery of mother flurkin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Brilliant. So, Rob, happy to see, well, briefly, happy to see Ben Mendelsohn in the MCU. Would you like to see him again? I, I love Ben Mendelsohn. Mm-hmm. He's, he's I, I think the first film I remember seeing him in was A Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. Oh, I love Gosling that film. film. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Mine was Animal Kingdom, if you've seen that. Oh, I've not seen Christ, that. Christ, he plays a nasty piece of work in that. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's always good at playing a bit of a shit. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's what is... They used his typecasting against him here, and I think 
it, it's really good because if you, you kind cast, of want him to be the villain. Unfortunately, he's sort of typecast. So the second they announce the scrolls are in this movie, and then you announce Ben Mendelssohn's in this movie, you oh, go, right. ah, we've got our villain. Villain. And yeah. then uh, making him a scroll at the beginning of the film, it, it all helps to the, the Jude Law twist because you're so, because of that typecast. Yeah. Sold on it, yeah. right. Okay. Do you want to hear my last pun for the episode? Go on. And it's not even mine, really. It's uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Flex, because in the audio commentary facts, um, there's a moment during the um, chase sequence, which I'm sure we're going to get to, because it's quite a big uh, sequence, where it's revealed that Agent Coulson in the car with Samuel Jackson is a scroll, or as they refer to him as, Scrollson. Brilliant. Okay. Top punning. Top punning. Um, to be honest, I don't have anything on the chase for the next part, but um, I will say it's a very effective chase and it is shot very much like a 90s action thriller. I think the cinematography really reminded me of stuff like Speed and things like shot that. for real. Yeah. They used a real, real, um, they shut down the, oh, sorry, where's my, where's my bugle? Audio commentary facts. They used um, a disused metro train and were able to get a section of the line closed mm-hmm. so they could have stunt performance on the outside of it and everything and shot it for real. So when that train's moving and she's on the carriages, you're not seeing green screen outside, you're seeing... Yep. And I do think it's a subtle... I think if you was to put two scenes side by side, one that does it for real and one that does it... It might not be the biggest change, but I think you can you, you can, can sense it. Yeah, for sure. You can kind of sense that difference, but I love that sequence on the train. Mm. The old woman with her getting punched with her grin, yeah, getting punched in the face. I love that. <laughs> incredible, and also there's this. Um, she's walking through and she's she's trying to find everyone. She's walking through the carriage and she's she's like, oh, "Are they a scroll?" And we're doing it too. We're going, "Are they a scroll? Are they a scroll?" And she hears this old man talking, and I suddenly sat up in my seat and I went, "Excelsior!" <laughs> Because Stan Lee was in there, and this might be my favourite Stan Lee, or one of them, because it's so clever. Him, he's playing himself as well, isn't he? Yes, because he is reading the script to 1995's Mall Rats. So from oh, the same yes. year that this is set, he's obviously travelling to go and do his cameo for Mall Rats in the same scene. And um, all you can hear is him sort of practising his lines. He's going, trust me, true believer, trust me, true believer. Um, and as a little anecdote, old Kevin Smith, who uh, directed Morats, he said he got a call one day from Kevin Feige out the blue. and was very surprised. And he said, have you got any unused audio takes of Stan for Morats? Mm. He's like, um, might do, why? <laughs> <laughs> sort of, he's been very cagey about it, but he managed to find some unused takes. So it's not just the audio from Morats that they're using when he's got the script up it sounds more like things we haven't heard. So he's like doing different variations on mm. the because, line. Because, unfortunately, yeah, when they filmed me. this cameo, Stan was so ill, he couldn't talk. He'd sort of, he'd lost the ability mm. oh. to talk. So that's their way around it. So when he's reading from the script, the script is covering his face. So yeah, when we okay. hear his voice, okay. it is yep. way back from 1995 of him on set sort of rehearsing his line over and over again. Yeah. Um, and that's the dialogue that's played. So when she pulls the script down all he does is smile. And she gives him a really lovely smile back as well. I think yeah. the smile she gives him is beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it's tinged with sadness, but um, it's... it's... I love, uh, that whole sequence is so fun. Mm-hmm. I really, really like it. And the, the old woman thing, I've got another 
interesting tidbit. I'm trying to hit as much trivia as possible. I was just about to say that you're terrifying me. You're hitting on loads of stuff I wanted to do. Oh, no wonder you wanted to skip over the train scene. Let's see if it's it's buried in there. In the audio commentary facts. During that sequence, obviously they couldn't beat up an old woman for real. They did as much for real as they could. But so the old lady was body doubled um, for stunts by a stunt performer called Heidi Moneymaker, which might be one of the best names ever. (laughs) And Brie Larson's stunt double was um, Renee Moneymaker. So they're two sisters and they're actually fighting for real on top of this train, one dressed as an old woman and one dressed as Captain Marvel. And they said it was the most (laughs) surreal moment of their uh, stunt performing career. Your trivia is going to be a stormer, I think, because you're throwing out some good shit. He's thrown some good ones, man. Yeah, he's thrown some good ones I'm worrying. Talos, (laughs) disguised as Fury's boss, Keller, orders Fury to work with Veers and keep tabs on her. Using her extracted memories, Veers and Fury go to the Project Pegasus installation at a US Air Force base. They discover that Veers was a pilot presumed to have died in 1989 whilst testing an experimental light speed engine designed by Dr. Wendy Lawson, whom Veers recognises as the woman from her nightmares. So, Colin, a lot of the plot of this film is designed as a mystery, I guess. Mm. So uh, Carol and ourselves are trying to figure out who she was on Earth. Did the mystery aspect of this film work for you? Did you care? Did it keep you intrigued and like interested? Yeah, I think it, it did keep me intrigued. And one one little sequence that I did enjoy, which I think we skipped over from earlier on in the film, was there was a moment where um, they were searching through the mind mm-hmm. and getting getting to like focus on certain things to try and you know reveal the clues and stuff. Yeah. And that like that sort of stuff really kept me in. Yeah, you know? I love like, that section. That that was a great little sequence that I enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I mean the whole that was I guess that's kind of a microcosm of the film is like you know you're on a mystery trying mm-hmm. to find out what's going on and I thought that um, it just worked for that like I, mm. I was at, at, like I said there's things that I didn't quite like as much which I'm sure we'll get onto none of them have really come up just yet yep. but the the overall storyline and and what this film was on paper is like you know it, it, as these films go it's a good one of them mm-hmm. you know. it it, it might not it might not have been made to my taste and there might have been too much of all of the things that i moan about in these films but it is an mcu film and and that's those those negatives are always going to be there unless they stop making mcu films the way they are which (laughs) why would they because they're making billions of dollars and who cares what i think but um yeah yeah. interesting so rob was this mystery route right to take for an origin story i think it's a different route to take mm-hmm. i think the origin stories we've seen so far so who have we had we've had ant-man iron man doctor strange thor isn't really yeah doctor strange thor, i wouldn't definitely. say thor is necessarily would you not an origin story in the way because he's already thor do you know what i mean <sighs> when the film starts he's already thor he's just learning to be less for dick it's a coming of age story rather than a an origin story yeah. trying to think who else we got hulk's already hulk so it's not really an origin Spider-Man's already Spider-Man. Guardians? No. No, because it's, well, it's an origin of that team, but it's yeah. not an origin of, I don't know. I would think the origin was... stories feel like someone becoming that thing, mm. you know, for the first time. They're 
something's yeah. been bestowed on them. I don't know. I mean, the the but, one that always yeah. pokes out the most is the Spider-Man one. I think just because of the spider bite and it's the mm. most kind of memorable yeah. one. But I kind of like the fact they took a slightly different... Me too. You know, it was almost like she's learning it the same way at the same time the audience is. Yep. So mm. you're kind of just going along for the ride. And I don't know if that's necessarily been done yet. If it has, I would have forgotten about it. Mm. And also, like, they've got to try some new things. Yeah, sure. I mean, this... This film did feel sort of cookie cutter, a lot of it for me, but that aspect was the thing that kept me going, probably because it isn't something we've seen just yet in the MCU. Yeah. I agree with you that um, the sort of memory manipulation scene was, was, that was so fun. cool. Yeah, that was cool. And, like, and there's a really nice shot in it where they have like, like to do with, it's text and switches again and body doubles when Annette Benning's um, Marvel is walking away. And then it whips back round to Carol, and she stood behind her again, trying to get that. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to eke that information out of her, and it happens about three times. Yep. Where Annette Bellings is sort of looping around the camera, and the body double carries on walking on. It's just yeah, really cool. And uh, in the audio commentary facts, Fleck and Bowden said they were in- influenced for that sequence by one of George's favourite films. Uh, Eternal's Sunshine. I mean, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Love that film, George. Mm. You showed me that years ago, man. Oh, really? That was your mm. at the time you showed me that. That was what you regarded as your favorite film yeah, ever. It is my second there, favorite yeah. film of all time. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well done. Yeah. Good memory. And, and, yeah. and actually, I think you you did actually lend me Short Term Twelve on Blu-ray, and I never watched it. Oh. <laughs> I'm oh. Sorry. <laughs> It's I'm pretty sure I gave it gave it back to you on watch. So well, good. Whatever film day, I will watch it. It's not uh, a long film either. It's honestly, about an hour and a half. If people, if anyone that's... who's ever lent me something knows I'm the fucking worst with it. <laughs> I just, I put it on the side and I forget about it yeah. until someone brings it up and I feel bad. So I'm sorry to anyone that's ever lent me something. That yeah, I've, I've learned my lessons. Gift you it on your iTunes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've learned my lessons now, like, especially with video games. Like the mm. clay train the other day was like, mate, it's the clay train he was like got this game give it a go I've had a lot of fun with it it's called the Callisto Protocol and he was like oh shit I'll give it to you in a couple of days if you want and I was like Dan I ain't gonna play it I'd I'd love to sure yeah. i'd love to give it a go i ain't gonna play it i just i'm so i'm i'm a little bit more i know myself a little better now in, in regards to stuff like that we was doing pilot season we did a question one week of what <laughs> what book would you like to see adapted into a tv series and mm. i started reading off this list of this book i like called the unlikely pilgrimage of harold fry okay. said, have you read it george and he said no I don't think i have i was like that's funny because i lent you it five years ago <laughs> <laughs> You think you've still got yeah, it? Fuck no, it's probably long gone. I ain't seen it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to Dan Clay, though. We love you, man. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're, the um, clay train. On one of our bonus episodes, let's get Clay Train on here. Hell yeah! I have mentioned it to him, and he's already said what film he wants to do. So, mm. yeah, he wants to do. Well, fuck it. We'll tell everyone. He wants to do Spawn, which is a film I've never heard of, and I've it's never not seen. Marvel. DC. Oh well, it's still a well. It's a bonus episode. Whoa. We'll allow oh, it. We're breaking the rules now, are we? Well, okay. Well, I mean, I love Clay Train as much as the next guy. <laughs> 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 the rules for everything. We'll see that. No, he did mention also, um, if not, then Ben Affleck's Daredevil, yeah. which is a great show. That, that works. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it is DC. I think it's Dark Horse Comics. Oh. Old uh, Spawn. Right. Mm. Mm. Much, we'll see. Much like our Clay Train, yeah. a dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> Fury realizes that Keller is Talos and helps Veers escape in a jet with Lawson's stowaway cat, Goose. 
They fly to Louisiana to meet former pilot Maria Rambeau, uh, the last person to see Veers and Lawson alive. Rambeau and her daughter Monica reveal that Veers is Carol Danvers, who was once like family to them. Talos, arriving unarmed, explains that the Scrolls are refugees searching for a new home and that Lawson was Marvell, a renegade Cree scientist helping them. Talos plays a recovered black box recording from Lawson's jet, prompting Danvers to remember the crash. Yon Rog killed Marvell to prevent her from destroying the engine before the Cree could recover it. Destroying the engine herself, Danvers absorbed the energy from the ensuing explosion and gaining powers but losing her memory. Colin, do they do enough with Carol's powers to differentiate herself with the other superheroes in the MCU? Did she feel fresh huh. as a character or is it something that we've all seen before? It felt fresh to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but do we have many flying superheroes i think at the four moment sorts of throws mjolnir okay, yeah, and holds yeah, 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 on to yeah, yeah, it yeah, as true, much true, as that true, may true, be true. hammer tossed you off <laughs> yes there we get. hammer tossed you off <laughs> um okay so there is already uh no I, I mean maybe maybe her powers aren't the most original but it felt fresh to me yep. I, I thought i thought it was i, I wouldn't have said like i loved the visuals of when she shoots the um engine and you know yeah she gets sort Absorbs of hit it, with everything yeah absorbs it all and and i think visually when she's using the powers is, is like incredibly striking mm -hmm. I, I know it's a solo film but it's probably gonna be very different when she's flying around doing it amongst the rest of them but um it, no i mean i wouldn't say it felt played out and it was it's not necessarily something we've seen before i don't think yeah. i like the fact that she doesn't have a weapon as such yeah. like she is the she's weapon. the weapon i feel like yeah. It, I felt yeah. it, it, it would be more played out if she suddenly ended up with like a, a, a lightning rod in her hand mm -hmm. or something, you know, that to me would be like, oh, fuck me, another one of these. Yeah. Because um, then you're just going to fall into the, you know, the, the same tra traits of mm -hmm. she loses her weapon and get the weapon back and blah, blah, blah. Yep. But no, nah, she is the weapon. Yep. And I like that. I love that too. Rob, he may have answered the question, but does she feel unique enough? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Colin summed it up. He did. Man. No, I, as soon as I summed up perfectly. As soon as he said it, I was like, "Rob doesn't stand a chance." <laughs> so we'll move on. <laughs> oh shit! Oh sorry. Oh, I just choked on some water. Oh, it's gone up my nose. Oh no! I'm sorry. Sorry. I mean, what a way to go! Oh, oh shut up! <laughs> <sighs> oh. Right. Uh, okay. I think my sinuses are. Yeah. Cleared. Let's go. Right. Uh, bear with me for this one. This is a long one. Uh, Danvers, uh, Talos, Fury and Rambo locate Lawson's cloaked laboratory orbiting Earth, where Lawson hid several skulls, including Talos's family and the Tesseract, the power source of Lawson's engine. There, Danvers is captured by Star Force and interfaces with the Supreme Intelligence. Danvers removes the Kree implant that suppressed her powers during their encounter, allowing her to reach her full potential. And in the subsequent battle, Fury retrieves Goose, who is now revealed to be an alien flurkin. Goose swallows the Tesseract and scratches Fury, blinding his left eye. Danvers destroys a Kree bomber, forcing Kree officer Ronan the Accuser and his squadron to retreat. Colin, at any point in this film, did you realise that the big fella in the spaceship at the end was Ronan the Accuser, the villain from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Or are we just letting you know now? No, no. I 
I don't know if you had asked me what film he was in, I would have maybe got correct, mm-hmm. but I knew that we had seen him cool. before. Yeah. So in present day, he's dead because um, the Guardians did some weird shit with an Infinity Stone and incinerated him. But yes, he yes. was. Um, he's obviously um, still fighting that war way back. Do you also recognise Korath? Mm. So a member of Carol's um, team with uh, Jude Law at the beginning. There was been... a recognisable... Yeah, he was the guy um, played by Diamond Hunso. He um, was the guy when Star Lord stealing the power orb at the beginning of Guardians. Oh, he's, he's um, like oh Star War Star Lord, isn't he? And he goes who? Oh, okay, <laughs> that's him. He's like Star Lord. <laughs> I'm Star Lord, man. Nice. Um, yeah, that was him. In an uh, obviously before he got huh. mullered by Groot. I think it's Groot who kills him. Yes, I think so. So how are the action sequences in this film for you, Colin? Because we get some varied ones, you know, from the chase, like we've mentioned, outside the blockbuster to the, the fight sequence that we've just described. Uh, exciting or just serviceable? Yeah, I mean, you, look, you know me. I'm not the biggest action sequence guy. Mm-hmm. And these ones were sort of... They, they, it just all feels a bit par for the course. Like, I, I sort of... I, I liked the train bit that we mentioned earlier. Yep. like, But yep. that was sort of happening... After we had like the car chase scene with simultaneously a train chase scene going along yep. with it, which is like, I mean, I, I guess it's commendable to do it, but I I just sort of thought like they're just taking two action tropes and slapping them on top of each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know oh, how. The French Connection is also another one yeah. that famously did that. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, that was fine. Uh, and then there was one that just felt like it had been taken out of Star Wars later on in the film, like. May as well have been an X-wing chasing after something. There was a, oh yeah, yeah that that was sort of. So I don't know, man. I mean, again, the, the action is my least interesting part of these films. Yeah. I it, it, I don't know if that that's weird or not. Like I prefer characters mm-hmm. and like mm. investment in you know things. Like uh, I don't know. Like I, I like to be immersed in what this story is trying to be. And to me, the action sequence is like it's the it's the part of the film where I'm like. I'll just wait and see what the very last bit of this does yeah. because everything in between that is just going to be there for like a mm-hmm. a spectacle almost. And yeah. I just think I'm not really that fussed about the spectacle mm. elements of of these of film in general. Yeah. So Rob, our directors, Bowden and Fleck, how did they handle the action sequences in Captain Marvel? Because definitely nothing like they've really experienced before. Yeah, there was nothing like this in Half Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think there's, been a lot of talk and there had been at this time that the action in these films are largely handed by pre-visualization sort of sequences which are like computer animated sort of storyboards really that, that plot out the action mm-hmm. and for the most part there's this talk as to how much the directors are involved in there that are rumors aren't much... there, that as part of yeah. kevin feige bringing in these new directors one thing he always says is let us handle the action Really? Um, you've just focused mm. on the character stuff, yeah. Huh. I wouldn't say that's true of every film, no, and some no, no, we haven't no, got to, no. but mm. some. Um, I think for, for people who come from a background where there's no fighting involved and they want them because they can do the character it stuff. Makes, it makes uh, sense. Yeah. It definitely makes sense, yeah. but it also explains how some of them might seem a little paint-by-numbers yeah. by that point. I, I'm with Colin. The things that interest me most about this film are the character moments. They, there was a bit of really... I had missed seemingly the first two times I saw it, but where Talos turns to um, Carol and he says, this is war, my hands are filthy from it too. 
Mm-hmm. And like to forgive her that, you know, she's killed so many scrolls yep. in the past. He's like, yeah, well, I've killed loads of people I shouldn't have as well. It was just a nice moment between these two people who are like clearly seen some shit. Yep. Yeah, I think, yeah, the character moments are my favourite bits. I love the scenes where they're all talking. Like you were saying about where they, they're, um, that scene where they're chatting to Talos and it's got my favourite Sam Jackson line. Maybe not ever, but <laughs> definitely in the MCU. When um, Talos is like, calm down, let's not complicate things. And he says, <laughs> let me get the exact line. Oh God, I don't it's good. It. He says, I'm about five seconds from complicating that wall with some ugly ass scroll brains. <laughs> <laughs> So good. There was so, another line so he funny. had in this, in this film, and it really made me laugh out loud. It was when they're 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 first talking to um, the other pilot that they go and meet, Monica. With the daughter, Monica. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, they're trying to explain to them that she's got these powers now, and she does something. I think she heats up the kettle with her hands, mm. and Samuel Jackson just l- delivers the best line ever. It's off screen as well. I think. I think he just says something like. <laughs> It's not the only thing she can do with those hands or something like that. And it completely killed me because I was not expecting them to go there at all. Fantastic. And obviously, like, to the kids, that would probably go over their heads, but that one was in there for us adults, surely, watching that. Yeah. Oh, just to quickly correct, George, Monica was the daughter and Maria. Oh, Maria. Is the, um, Maria, yes. Maria, Maria. Of course. Yeah. Um, I like, but uh, him delivering that line with you know his his the way he talks, never. It was so funny. The man. guy that, is like that really got me giggling. Yeah. He's having yeah. so much fun in this. <laughs> he really like, is. <laughs> I hope that was improvised as well because you know that would so got... much that is improvised. <laughs> Apparently, the bit where he um, he's like naming all the places he's been. He's like Budapest and um, all these different places. And he's like, um, I like the bees. I make them rhyme. That's a <laughs> improvisation from him as well. <laughs> and he's so happy when he says it. Yeah. I don't think we've ever seen sound like Nick Fury smile no. in any of the previous Marvel films. And this one, he gets to smile, have fun. I was thinking um, that actually because he's always the, he's always come across like somewhat like serious and any any comedic stuff that's come out of him before just hasn't felt right but like well, watching deadpan, yeah. yeah but watching this one yeah he, he had a lot of fun yeah like, along mm. with the ride with him yeah. Uh, yeah it was it was fun to see that side of he's it. a highlight of the film for sure in terms of the fight sequences for me i really like you know the big cgi stuff i can give or take i think it it's serviceable but um the choreography and some of the fist fights I actually really really liked mm. and some of the physical mm. action scenes there's some really nice stunt work some really nice choreography and you know there was a good year when Brie Larson got the role even before they found the directors so she immediately you know hit the gym and was doing she um, practiced um, loads of different types of martial arts and things like that and you can tell watching the film um, she's a badass in those sequences for sure so let's end this off with Danvers uh, overpowers Yon Rog and sends him to Hala with a warning for the Supreme Intelligence. She then... Hala! Hala! Oh, God's <laughs> <Yes>. sake, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> I was thinking about it, I was like, do I? Do as I? soon as Rob I... did it earlier, I thought to myself, if George says it, I'm going to have Brilliant. to jump in. <laughs> Thank you for that, both of you. Sorry. You're welcome. Sorry. She then departs to help the scrolls find a new homeworld, leaving Fury a modified pager to contact her in an emergency. Fury drafts an initiative to locate heroes like Danvers, naming it after after her Air Force call sign, Avenger. So there we have it, lads. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we move on to the ratings? Definitely. So that last sequence when Fury's typing, 
Something I noticed about Fury is he really types like George, by which I mean he types like an old man. (laughs) (laughs) He's like one key at a time. You notice the end sequence is like, Carol Danvers, the Avenger. Hitting the caps lock on and off every time he wants a capital letter. Last time we all got together, we recorded our pre-Avengers chat and I went to save my file on my laptop and I did it right in front of the boys and they both started laughing hysterically at me. Because I was, I pressed the caps lock button, and I had no idea anyone was doing any anything differently. Oh, yeah, it's it's the equivalent of you got four people trying to get into a car, and you lock the car door before getting each of them in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good! I had no idea. I still do it. Um. I oh, yeah, but the... you were really proud. Like, yeah, I could do it really quick. I'm like yeah. tap tap. Always with my little finger on the caps lock. <laughs> Amazing. It's like that bit of Casino Royale. That's because you know what I could do with my little finger. <laughs> Hit the caps really lock. Really fast. <laughs> You'll never go so quickly. I can do it. <laughs> oh, I um, the other thing I wanted to bring up. I really love the. There's a great Jude Law moment where he's such a shit. He's beaten. He's been absolutely trounced. And then he just sort of like takes a breath and goes, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, you're such a manipulative little shit. And when she (laughs) just like twats him halfway across that uh, canyon, (laughs) it's a good punch to the air moment. And I really, I really like the, going back to what I like about the editing of this film, is that the whole time they've been selling early on when she's talking to the Supreme Intelligence, it's selling this idea of her constantly falling. Mm -hmm. All the time she's failed because of her emotions and... You know, she crashed that car as a kid and she fell over on the beach and in training, all this stuff. And then it comes back to it showing that, yeah, she may have fallen down all those times, but she stood back up again. And it's a real triumphant bit of editing mm-hmm. when she finally unleashes all that. Um, yep. You know, like you said earlier, she actually lets those emotions unleash her full potential. Yep. And it comes at a point of seeing all those times that she stood back up and mm-hmm. carried on going. Mm-hmm. Brilliant bit of editing. The score's quite nice in that bit as yeah. well. Um, I remember hearing from women walking out of that film describing that sequence and them saying the words so that's how it feels and that's a lovely thing to hear of being like so that's why men love these bloody films because you know you get to see that moment and you put yourself in their shoes and then to suddenly excuse me not all men love these films sorry colin (laughs) (laughs) sorry i love that you not all men (laughs) do exactly Come on now. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, it's wonderful that um, other people get to experience these films and these moments as well. Shall we jump onto the ratings? Yeah. Let's go. So, uh, Colin, John Brain, Captain Marvel, out of five, please, sir. Yeah, I think, as I've said, this was a, a, a needed and good addition to the MCU. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fact that we got quite a bit of backstory on not just Captain Marvel, but also like the Nick Fury and the way, you know, we saw things about the Avengers that we hadn't seen before. And that was quite nice to have those little extra moments. I feel like where this film sort of fell for me was, I still think that it probably could have been a bit, it could have been shorter. I feel like maybe at points, the bit overstuffed with plot points and characters popping up here and there. The whole Supreme Intelligence character was a bit of a miss for me, which we didn't really get into. Uh I feel like there were moments in the film that were really asking to be emotional moments that instead of them being emotional, they turned it into like a throwaway sort of laugh, which always annoys me in these films. And then I feel like in some of the moments where they did get overly emotional, 
it felt a little f- sort of force-fed at points mm-hmm. of, like, I understand what the film's trying to be, and I'm all for that. But so at some points in the film, it did feel a bit like, okay, we get it, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and you know, and uh, the, again, the action sequences are a bit hit or miss for me. So yeah. with all that being said, it's a solid entry, so it's a, it's a, it's a free star for me. Yeah. It's pretty much, you know, that, 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 that's, where it, yeah. that's where it is for me, free stars. Cool. no, makes sense. Uh, Robert Trott. I'm not going to go in depth. It's three stars for me as well. Lovely. There we go. Yeah. When this ended and the credits hit, I immediately wanted to give this a four. I, I thought it ended on a massive high for me. But like I said earlier, now I had time to sort of digest it a little bit. I think it does have a rough start. At the beginning, the pacing's a little rough. Uh, it's, uh, But like I said, it really clicks once it hits Earth. Uh, and yet again, we may disagree, but I think making Carol and amnesiac doesn't do the film or maybe brie larson any favors but she's great the film is great it's a free stars for me hey we've agreed boys the board no i don't think so wow i don't think so wow that's great i was tempted to give it more than three but then i had my litmus test and i was like it's equal to iron man i wouldn't say it's better than iron man there we go Mm. so it's free cool trivia you know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. And I'm genuinely nervous. Yeah, I mean, well, you've got to be sitting on something big, man, because be. you could have used a couple of those as winners for our. I'm very nervous. And this I week. know for a Even, fact, though, I went first last time. That's what's making me nervous. But I mean, that 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 mole rats one, the callback to getting the uh, audio. I almost, the, I almost that had that. Big one, and I'm a I'm a Mole Rats fan as well. Yeah. You know, I know this is harking back to the please, please. I love that trivia yeah. because he that was in the middle of an Excelsior section. So I was like, I don't do an Excelsior se- mm-hmm. <laughs> like section now without including yeah. every little bit of detail about nice, that Excelsior nice, section because nice, nice, nice. I'm not falling into George's. Oh, please, yeah, you're too nice, man. Episode. You give into the. Mm-hmm. You give him to you the whinging. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bugle playing bad boy now. Wow. I don't, <laughs> don't take those shit. So I do have I do have some trivia, but on the off I say off chance on the likelihood Rob's got this trivia. I have just remembered something as well that I read earlier on. So I have something. Oh, that, dude, come on, have some confidence. I'm, I'm at terrified. Least. You don't need to tell me this shit going in. Just have some right, confidence. Rob, come it's on. Rob. It's Rob. You Rob goes this. first. Yeah, it's me going first. So I think. If Marvel's done nothing else, it's also it's in, encouraged people to sit to the end of the credits in films now. Um, so people do tend to stay right to the very end. And this film obviously starts with a nice honouring of someone involved in not only the films, but the whole of the Marvel world in the Stan Lee, um, thank you Stan moment. But it also ends with a, a section that says, in memory of Major Stephen Cajun Del Bagno, said Thunderbird 4. And I thought to myself, I'm going to look into this because so many times I've watched a film and it's had it in memory of and you just sort of, you don't really pay any heed because you're in the cinema and you think, well, I'm not going to suddenly start trying to search that person's name or whatever. But I did have a little look into it. And um, so the Thunderbirds pilot, the Thunderbirds being a, a, you know, a part of the US uh, Air Force, not the Jerry Anderson TV oh. show from the UK. He was a, a major called Stephen Cajun, known as Cajun to his, uh, I guess that was his call sign, Del Bagno, um, was one of the many personnel enlisted to consult on the portrayal of uh, Carol Danvers in terms of how she came across as a pilot, down to little details and helping the um, set design and things like that. 
Um, so he was worked on the film for about a month. And then, there, unfortunately, there was a tragic accident in April 2018 where he crashed a test plane and um, sadly passed away. And the director, Anna Bowden, said, Del Bagno embraced us, wanted us to, wanted so much to teach us about the culture of the Air Force and loved that culture so much. And he taught us to appreciate it in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise. And Brie Larson went on to say, you were a brilliant pilot and an even better person. When you talked about the Air Force, the adventure, the rituals and the community, I felt your passion and purpose and there, there is no Carol without you. So when I um, dug a little deeper on this, I saw that there was there's a sort of random shot in Carol's memories in that scene where the scrolls are searching through of a flaming piano. It's yes, quite a surreal I remember image. that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. But looking into it, so that's part of US sort of Air Force tradition that if a pilot passes away at their funeral, there will often be a burning piano as part of it. Goes back to like early days of flight. So that was put into the film after he had passed away and as another way to further honour him. Holy shit, dude. That is a that's good. <laughs> that is a good trivia. I like that. That tugged on the heartstrings. Oh. Nice little I like that a lot. Nice little uh, you know, Easter egg in the movie that actually that did stick out to me because I love that I mean, you know, the image of a burning piano is quite quite the sight to to see. Striking. So yeah. that did stick with me. And now to know that that is all because of that man that is... Uh, that's nice. I like that. How you feeling, George? Fine, mate. Feeling good, Confident. Mate? Yep, let's go. Yeah. Ready? I'm good, man. I'm Fuck ready. Fuck your pianos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in the film, uh, Carol visits a bar with Nick Fury called Pancho's, where she start, where she you know hits the... Um, sets the jukebox alight and she has some more memories and flashbacks in that bar and um, that bar like i said is called pancho's now pancho's is named after a real bar set in the edwards air force base in the mojave desert called pancho's happy bottom riding club now this bar was owned by Pancho Barnes in the 1940s. And was, this was a woman. So very uncommon for a woman to be running a bar in the 1940s, especially one anywhere near uh, an army base as well. Now, Pancho Barnes, she was a female, keeping on the theme here of aviation, I guess, was a female aviation pioneer. She was an Air Force pilot, but not only that, when she wasn't doing anything with the Air Force, she was a Hollywood stunt pilot. Now, famous um, female pilot as well, Amelia Earhart, she was once the record holder for the top speed ever to be done in an airplane. Pancho Barnes, she beat that record. So they were left with no other choice but to name this bar Pancho's in order to pay tribute to this inspirational oh. and ridiculously brave woman, Pancho Barnes. Oh, man, you guys have really put me in a bad spot there, haven't you? Come on now. So who am I going to insult here? Women or dead pilots? Um, who am I insulting? Uh, who am I insulting? Which dead pilot am I insulting? Uh, yeah. Okay, right. Well, they're both solid. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Probably the strongest to date from both of you because it generally, you know, I mean, audio-wise, I'm sure even the listeners can hear that it, it made me have some sort of emotional reaction to both of them, which is great. Doesn't leave me with an easy choice, though, does it? Um, I must say, Rob's was 
maybe um, I liked how he really gave me a, an idea of how passionate this man was on set. Like, and, and I feel like if he wasn't involved in this film, and also I love the fact that as much as I shit on all these films of being like corporate bollocks and, you know, they're all about money and stuff, it's nice to know that they do actually put in the time and effort to get... There's always passion you know, involved, legit, yeah. Yeah, to, to get legit and legitimate people in that are going to, you know, try their best to help out while they can and, and sort of educate people in what they need to know. So that part of the story really did. That was probably what hit me the most out of it. I like the piano bit, but it was more just like the thought of knowing that there was this passionate guy on in this film that if it wasn't for him, the film probably would have been different. And also it's nice that they did give him a little nod at the end mm-hmm. just to like, because he must have been, well, I mean, the fact that Brie Larson was even talking about him clearly he had like an impact on everyone involved, which is great. Yeah. But then yours is cool as well because they also played homage to her by having the bar. But um, uh, can you say Pancho again? Because you said it a lot of times. Pancho. Rob gets the point. <laughs> yes! In your face! <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't say Pancho with enough enthusiasm. Oh, fuck off. Then, was that the design? You oh, also I'd... said Amelia Earhart. Yeah, it's Earhart. It's Earhart. Oh. I wasn't going to pull you up on it, but it's Earhart. And I think, you know, there's enough men out there dishonouring women, George, so yeah. I thought you don't it deserve it. <laughs> came across a little sexist at that point, so I thought, you know, Brilliant. Rob gets Brilliant. the point. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. No, it's all right. I got this. I was torn between two bits of trivia, and I asked my... This is how tense it's getting with the, the trivia and how close we're getting to the... Because we're capping the points at the end of the saga, Yes, aren't we? we are. Then we start we're again. we're starting afresh. Oh, that's crazy. That's coming up. I know. So I asked my wife, I was like, I've got these two bits of trivia. What do I go with? And she was like, oh, but depends what mood Colin's in, because he might not want to hear this, but he also might want to... But what if George says this? <laughs> there's even that much story there is. This is there how is. Death is. And, and we got to a point of wow. not knowing what one to go with, and wow. we, got, we just asked my son, I was like, do we go with this or this? <laughs> oh, now I'm even happier that I chose it then. Um, do you want to hear what the other one was? Because I think you'll like it. This 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 isn't me showboating, but I think George oh. also like the fact that we're we're getting to this before we can't get to this. I want George to hear it anyway. Yeah, I'd like to okay. hear it too. So, in a press junket, um, pre, uh, it was sort of like in the build up to in uh, Infinity War. Hmm. Don Cheadle, pre Larson, you could say, and <laughs> pre Larson. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> He hasn't said anything since he lost oh, the trivia. Really? <laughs> he comes out and the amount of shit he's given me this whole episode of oh, another pun, is it? Oh, Average intelligence. Shit. Yeah. Comes out with that one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo are sat in a press junket and someone said, oh, so there was pretty high stakes. I think it was, it might have even, I can't what film it was for, but it might be in the run up to Infinity War. Mark Ruffalo turns around and goes, that's nothing. You should see the next one. Everyone die. And before he can finish his sentence, Don Cheadle goes, dude, dude, and like stops him. And this is all available. We won't necessarily show you it mm-hmm. online in case it links mm. you algorithmic, algorithmically mm-hmm. to other things. But at the end of that, he says, Barry's going to be mad, isn't he? And I always thought, who the hell's Barry? So turns out Barry is um, Barry Curtis, the security guard who was outside the blockbuster and had a brief scene with... <laughs> with uh, Carol Danvers, he's actually the head of Marvel security and he's in charge of trying to, amongst other things, keeping these leaks under wraps. Mm-hmm. And he auditioned for the, the first time yeah. ever, yeah, to be the security nice. guard of the blockbuster. So that's my nice. other trivia. But uh, I just like the fact that Ruffalo's at it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's known for that <laughs> by now. He's not a great fight. 
Right, so we're going to do a very, very, very quick pre-Avengers because Colin knows, everyone, don't worry, that our next episode is Avengers Endgame. So before we get onto that as well, let's very quickly discuss the post credit scene for this film. So in the post credit scene, set just after the snap, the activated... Just when you thought it was done. Mm. Just when you thought it just was when done. You thought, There's another bit. Just when you thought it was done, Viz. Um, <laughs> Carol Danvers. <laughs> oh, come set, on, man. That was weak. Set, that was low. Not as good as pre-Larson. Set just no, after the snap, was good. <laughs> the activated pager is being monitored by the Avengers when Danvers suddenly appears looking for Fury. Two questions, Colin. One, did it give you goosebumps? And two, have you ever been given goosebumps by any moment in any of these films? I've got the same answer for both. <laughs> he doesn't need to answer, does he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we all know what the answer is to that oh, one, mate. Okay. Um, but excited okay. to see I'm not, not even gonna say excited it. to see what Carol can bring to an Avengers movie? Most definitely. Good. Colin, would you like to know an IMDb fact? Keep them coming. IMDb fact. Brie Larson said that this was her first day on set when she did the Where's Fury moment, so she'd never played being on screen with any of the others. And, in fact, she wasn't on screen with any of the others that day because she did it on a green screen and wasn't acting opposite anyone. So she had no idea what the Where's Fury bit was all about. Oh, so we still yet to see them actually physically in the same space on screen. Oh, Barry was definitely in on that. He was (laughs) like, well, keep this this all shtum. No one will know. So, yeah, it's no secret that the next film is Avengers Endgame. And yes, uh, yet again, everyone, we are all getting together to watch it. Um, Yes. So let's have a tiny little pre-Avengers chat because it is getting late. Now, Colin, you are almost, almost in the same boat as what we were prior to Endgame, because Disney and Marvel were very, very sneaky here. Um, For months before the um, release of Endgame, they didn't even give us the trailer of the film. Um, We just knew it was an Avengers film, and there was was so many um, theories as to what the the title Mm. could be. They only gave us a trailer right at the last moment, and it's mm. not spoiling anything at all, Colin, because you know Tony Stark's somewhere stranded in space right now. The trailer was literally Tony Stark delivering a couple of lines, almost as like a monologue, and the trailer pretty much ended there. So that one, it's pretty much the most expensive film of all time, maybe at, at the time of filming, and they barely gave us a title until just before the release of the film. And a tr- well, they had 22 films worth of trailers Exactly, for it. yes. The, so then, yeah. Colin, any prediction as to what the hell Endgame is going to be? <sighs> I think... Because I will say this, not, and this is probably not going to make you too excited to see it. The film... Mm-hmm. Don't say anything, the, George. No, no George. the film is... The film, all right, the film is long. I almost said the length. Oh, well, I gathered that. But that's fine because, dude, we watched the last one together yeah. Um, yeah. and it was long and it didn't feel long because we were all And this is, and again, a fun film, so. by Marcus and McFeely the and the Russos. It's oh. the same team. Okay, well, that that I mean, I'm always pumped up to see what those guys yeah. are doing. Um, Prediction-wise, I mean, I, I would hope that the audience, well, not the audience, me at this point. I think I'm probably the only person who hasn't <laughs> seen it. But um, I hope that I'm going to get, we'll get some answers as to what the hell is actually going on with 
the result of the snap, mm-hmm. whether that be we see the 50% of people that are still around and where they're trying to pick up the pieces maybe. I gather that would be a part of it. And obviously with Captain Marvel coming in, mm-hmm. I get, yeah, because at the end of this, at the end of Captain Marvel, it did come up saying Captain Marvel will appear we'll in the Avengers, return in right? Avengers Endgame, yeah. Return, return, yeah, yeah. So so she's coming down. Um, so I, I gather that's at least going to be one of the plot points will be her meeting up with the guys we saw in the post-credit yeah. and, and that. But if it's, any, if it's a Russo thing, there's probably going to be like, you know, three or four plot lines going on that we're kind of bouncing between and maybe they're all sort of come together at mm. some point. I hope, I hope we get a little bit more of a understanding of what has actually happened to the people from the snap that, that sort of we saw dissolve. Because mm-hmm. I, I still don't buy that they're dead. So um, okay, uh, I feel like that's, that could be a part of it. Um, but to be 100% honest with you, this is the only time I've ever put any thought into what's happening. So I'm just completely spitballing from my brain mm. right now because I haven't thought about it at <laughs> all. And I actually kind of like that. I, I try not to yeah. think too much about them because I've. that's why I even, dude, even if I wasn't watching these films and films in general, I don't like watching trailers. Yeah. I don't want to know anything. Mm. I want to I wanna press play or, or turn up to a cinema and I want to sit down and I just want to like on first hand just absorb what it is make my own opinion don't care what anyone else thinks i don't need to hear what and just just that's me i'm happy Mm -hmm. to absorb it like that so i haven't really put that much thought into it but i am excited for it not only because it's the russos and it's an avengers and they're normally pretty good the second one was a bit dump but also (laughs) i get to spend time with you guys in the flesh in person and we don't get to do that enough it'll be the first time of the year i've seen you boys and i'm going to give you a massive hug lovely lovely. so we've asked before as well uh, but are we going to have a new villain for Endgame? Is Thanos still going to be the villain? Oh, because I hadn't even thought of Is he even yeah, a threat that... now he's sort of completed his mission? So are we going to get like a new villain now introduced or are we still going to go back to Thanos? I mean, I'd, uh, as we discussed on the Avengers with Thanos in it, I see why he's the villain, but by the end of the film, that's up for debate a little bit. And also like... I think if we see him in this one, I don't think we'll be seeing him in the villainous way, maybe, because maybe he's done his yeah. thing, he's letting it play out. So we might even see him be maybe called upon for help mm. or some information. Wouldn't be surprised if we see him, but uh, at the end of the last one, it kind of ended with him just doing what he said, right? In, watching the sunset. Infinity War, he's do- watching the sunset over a grateful universe. But, but, maybe feeling some guilt or maybe he does give it there's a there's a look maybe yeah. that comes back maybe maybe that comes in maybe there's a Ricky went back to his heart and had a big old really? wank <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but i mean i don't know man like to to be perfectly honest with you everything that's happened after infinity war like i don't even know if we need a villain does that sound weird no. to say there's so much going on that it's like the threat is already there. Like to me, it's now we're like, what the fuck's happened, and how do we rebuild, and and how do we, how do we get life back to? And also, like we haven't even seen how this has affected most no. of the world. We've only seen it from two points mm. at the moment. Well, three actually. We saw it from the point of where like Ant Man and that. Uh, sorry. Oh yeah, Ant Man disappearing. We saw it at the point of those mm-hmm. guys. We saw it at the point when Nick Fury's got the pager with now we know it's Captain yeah. Marvel's uh, logo on it, and we saw it from the point where the snap mm-hmm. happened. It's not that many nope. points. I might have seen some bits on TVs and stuff, maybe like and, and stuff. But yeah. so I feel like 
I don't know if there'd be a yeah, villain. Definitely. I like, in, very interesting. So, um, Rob, help me out here as well. Let's discuss who's who's still alive. So we've got a lot of the OGs still about, haven't we? Yeah, you got your Black Widow. Mm-hmm. You got your Scott Lang in the Quantum Realm. Mm-hmm. You've got your your Rhodey. Yeah. Mm. Got your Rocket Raccoon. Nice. You got your Nebula. Nebula is Tony. It with Stark in in space in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. In that neck of the woods. Okay. Um, you've got Thor, who else? Are we got? Hulk, Thor, Hulk, uh, Steve Rogers, Cap. Yeah, Cap's uh, my boy. Oh. He's um, <laughs> he's still he's still about. Fun fact to notice about Captain Marvel. Sorry, going back a bit. Um, Nick Fury's uh, birthday on his uh, ID was the fourth of July. Also, the <laughs> same birthday as Captain America. Cool. <laughs> uh, so then, also from. Oh, sorry. Um, when we saw that post-credit scene from Infinity War, and we saw Nick Fury get his page out, mm-hmm. was he was he being affected by the snap at that point? Yeah. I know he was. So, okay, cool. Because he mother goes mother, mother f- f- oh, that's that's yeah, 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 floats yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I remember now. So, who knows who's left? So, I, yeah, we lost a lot of people. So, um, <laughs> Colin, are we going to lose any more? Oh wait, we've still got Iron Man to go at some point, haven't we? Oh, I I completely forgotten about the fact that he even dies in this. That's the thing he about dies. these films. You. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about these films because you kind of move away. You move on from that, like because we've just done Captain Marvel and Ant Man. It's like I've kind of already forgotten about <laughs> Iron Man completely. <laughs> um, I mean, we could see the death of Iron Man. I mean, I, I, the only reason I'd say maybe is because it is an Avengers mm. film, and it's like. I'm sure by this point, even though the one we've just spoken about sounded like it did really well at the box office, I'm sure that everyone involved is aware that Avengers are the one that probably gets the most yes. casual of casual people to mm-hmm. go along because it, it probably feels like just, a, oh, another Avengers film, let's go yep. check it out. So I can imagine there's going to be some heavy-hitting parts and potentially some deaths. Wow, even more. Um, I, I mean... I don't necessarily want to see it, if I'm honest. I'd rather see them, like, start trying to rebuild this world and maybe even try and figure out how to get some of these guys back. I don't know if the dissolving means they're dead still. That hasn't been confirmed by anyone. So maybe there's a way they... Maybe the mission is... We've confirmed it. They are dead. (laughs) I don't believe you guys. As soon as we get this podcast rolling, the trust goes out the window. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Fun Um, fact about Avengers Endgame. So as um, George sort of alluded to, we barely had a trailer beforehand, but we barely had a title before it came out. That's crazy. So before it came out, it was just mainly known as Infinity War Part 2. Oh. And then um, the Russo brothers put out a, a tweet and they said, the Avengers title has been said twice in the MCU so far. Oh, Doctor Strange said it right, and and it was said one one other time in a different uh, Avengers film. Okay, someone else said the words Endgame. So I think St- Strange is going to be a big character. Then is he even still about? Strange oh. died. Oh come on now, he's not. So just gone. before he knows about just Endgame. before he gave Thanos the Time Stone in order to save Tony's life. Um, no, just after Tony said, "Why did you do that?" And he said, "We're in the mm. Endgame now." Ready for a couple of listener questions? 
Yes, but I was I'd... worried about some of these listener questions because they sounded a little. Spoilery. No, I've, 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 I've edited some of them. Yes, edited. So okay, quick, quick theory. Quick theory. <laughs> I love. Yes, I'm all up for a quick theory. <laughs> quick theory. Doctor Strange. He knows shit. Let's be real. If he's talking about Endgame, he knows what's going on. Remember, he viewed 14 million scenarios. That's it. And one he knows of them... how to aggravate an asthmatic. That's yeah, what he knows he, now. He, he's he's going to be big. I don't. I think he maybe is the answer to a lot of the oh. questions of why is this going on and how do we get it to that one that's okay or how. Colin, do we, you know, I think whatever. you're excited. But anyway, carry on. Not excited, mate. I'm just throwing That's out sick. theories. You asked me a question. I'm trying to give you some good answers for the oh, listeners here. I'm sorry. Under, I almost... I am... Dude, dude, I'm excited to yeah, see you okay. two. That's, that's it. it. I feel like there's a moment in which George is going to have a, a banner moment and he's going, that's my secret, Colin. I'm always hyped. <laughs> like, you just have to... What you're doing is holding back the hype at all times. And then, <laughs> I mean... When you start, Colin that's is, when you hulk yeah. out and turn into... It's going to be great seeing you guys uh, at the weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward but, to just chilling and it's going to be very embarrassing for myself i'll be honest because why i find many parts many parts of this film very emotional george George, dude you don't have to fucking who cares you can cry you can cry on my shoulder i'll give you a cuddle i don't have to feel embarrassed about it many moments (laughs) (laughs) maybe once you've gone through the first box of tissues i'm about come on mate you're taking the piss right so first question from (laughs) Depends what he's doing with the tissues. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's afterwards, boys. Stew World Order Podcast. Stew World Order. And it's Rob. What non-X-Men characters would you like to see join the MCU? Non-X-Men. Because mm. I think everyone would say like Wolverine or Professor X or Magneto. So sort of streamlined it a little bit. Oh, so you mean from X Men, but not the main? No, crew, no. I think just any just any any Marvel characters. What would you like to see join the MCU, but aren't like the biggins from the X Men? Okay, okay, okay. I think I would like. I wish I'd read this question beforehand because I'd have had an answer. <laughs> um, non X Men. See, I read so much X Men when I was a kid. That is like my main point of reference for anything that's not been in Marvel. So okay, far. so how about I change it up a little bit? Because Colin now knows that... Oh, does he know? God's sake, I don't want to say it. Um, that No, I don't even want to do I, it. I, I don't know, even want to I, risk it. I think no. I think you guys have mentioned that um, they've got the rights to X-Men now, or Wolverine's coming back. I know that from there the... There you go. That's it. Um, so you know Deadpool Wolverine reveal. and Deadpool. Yes, that was it. Yeah. You know Wolverine yeah, yeah, and yeah, Deadpool yeah, yeah, are coming yeah. back. Is Deadpool going to work in the MCU? Right, maybe ask both of you that. I think we should answer Stu World Order's question well, I, first. I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I'd like to see Deadpool. But then I thought, would he work? And Also, mm. also from the first pre-Avengers chat, I think it's only fair that Rob has to give everyone mm-hmm. a jingle as well. I mean, let's be honest. I know, but it's late. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, fair enough. <laughs> we'll do a personalised one and we'll put it out on socials. I'll film yeah, Rob I'll doing do it at the weekend. I think um, I'd like to see Doctor Doom. Ooh. Doctor Doom is my answer as well. Mm. Doom. One of the more interesting and important to get right mm. villains. Yeah, I'd like to see Dr. Doom. one of the Doom, biggies, isn't he? And uh, yeah, we've yet to see him. Uh, Colin, should I ask you that question? Uh, do you have any like characters? You... Dude, I don't even know. No, I the thought, no, so, no, no, no. Okay, that's fine. So I've also slightly adapted the next question. This is from Martha Persdata. Martha! Martha! 
Martha Perstetter. And she says, Colin, who is your favourite Avenger and why is it Wanda Maximoff? So, obviously, um, <laughs> Martha's right. favourite Avenger we got, we got is yeah. Wanda, rest in peace. Um, but you obviously, by at the end of Infinity War, said Thor was currently your favourite character. Does that still stand? Still stands. Thor is the man Perfect. now. Good. After, um, after was it was it Ragnarok the last one of the so Ragnarok was his last standalone, yeah. but he was yeah. also pretty badass in Infinity oh yeah War. well exactly it's the combo it's the one two punch of Ragnarok and Infinity War then, where if he doesn't rock it up there on the top of your tables then yeah obviously you know. he's got his new weapon now the Stormbreaker yeah um but yeah. then we also remember I remember us discussing is the snap partly his fault because. He yeah. threw that axe straight into Thanos' shoulder, I think. And Thanos delivers that mm, wonderful line, now. you should have gone for the head. Love that moment. Yeah, but, you know, we, we discussed this on the last pod. Let's not start pointing <laughs> fingers at the guys. I mean, you know, Thor's the man. Captain America's the most boring of them all. That's oh. about all that matters. <laughs> From thawing to boring. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question from Nerdstalgic Podcast... Nerdstalgic podcast. It's a little geeky thing in the past. Asking, and this is an interesting one, Colin, what's taken you so long to watch Endgame? Now, I thought this is maybe a question for newcomers to the pod. Do you want to maybe quickly remind our listeners as to why you're so behind on these films on the MCU? Okay, yeah. Um, the reason I'm so behind on these films is because I sort of started watching them as they were releasing way back in sort of the late 2000s. It was 2008, wasn't it, Iron Man? And as I didn't even really know what was an MCU or what was a non-MCU, what was a DC or whatever, but there was just a lot of superhero films coming out one after another. And at this point in time, I had a Cineworld card, so I was heading to the cinema quite a lot. And um, to be perfectly honest yeah, I got bored of them pretty <laughs> quick. I got, so bo- I got so bored of them so quickly that I went, fuck this shit. I don't care about any of this anymore. And then to cut a very long story short, I moved over to Malaysia and I started working in a studio over there and I was, you know, didn't have time for the cinema. I came back to the England and I've been focused a lot on other things since then. And this, my film life has almost dissolved as if someone has snapped their fingers. Um, <laughs> and uh, the only reason I am watching this film and it's not the fact that it's taken me too long. It's taken George and Rob to make a damn podcast <laughs> to make me sit through and watch any of these films. And I'm not lying when I tell you that I know, I, I mean, I knew nothing about these films. And I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to the old episodes, you can, you can definitely believe yeah. me on that front. Um, so that's why it's taken me so long, because I, I don't even remember a time when this came out. Like I, I'm so far removed from anything... Marvel or like you know I've only just started getting spoilers for mm-hmm. things and that's because we've been making a podcast about it for a year and now there's a part of my brain that actually starts to pick up yeah. on those things whereas beforehand it just went straight through them as if they were nothing <laughs> um just before we say our goodbyes I've just suddenly remembered what did Stacy think of Captain Marvel oh yeah no she thought it was cool I think um I asked her for a star rate and she gave it three okay, and a cool. half so um she enjoyed it. She was gripped, man. Like it's so much fun watching someone like who gets really into a film. But now nah, she she uh, she was loving it, and it was fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna start watching them yeah. 
every week now we're going to start turning it into something because I think one of the other reasons that I was starting to struggle with these films is because I was trying to cram it in my yeah. day of like you know working and I'd mm. And it would be like in the morning time and I'd be getting up and I've like got in my head, I'm like, I've got all these other things to do and I've got to try and cram this two hour film in. And it was almost like making me miserable <laughs> as we were watching them. Um, so I think it's important for me to try and make it a positive experience. And I'm also, as I've mentioned before, as the listeners will know, I struggle with switching off and yeah. relaxing. So I'm trying to make it more of like... It's more a, of a sociable uh, thing then. Yeah, it's yeah. more sociable and it's more of a reason to me to be like, you know what? If I can switch off from life for a couple of hours and just enjoy... With the something. people you love the I'm most, I love it. Exactly. I think I think yeah. she might deserve either a segment and a jingle <laughs> to get her scores, yeah, um, or a bonus episode. A la, I'll, I'll try yes. and get on it. Ella Clay Train, and we go through all of her scores from Captain Marvel onwards. She um, after we got a she's a bit, five of them. She's a little bit gutted actually that we're watching it together this Ooh, weekend. Because um, yeah. obviously we started with this. And I'm like, oh, we can start watching them together, and then we sit down and watch it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching <laughs> the next one with those guys. Well, after Endgame, you can watch the rest. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, said she's going to watch it. it. She did say she's going to give it another watch. Great. So um, I'll see what she thinks to it. Would this be the first one you've watched twice, Colin? If you watch it again. I won't watch it again. No, I'll just... Uh, sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% sure I won't watch it again. I've lost count how many times I've seen it. I'm not hyping it. Um, right, everyone. <laughs> Dude, of course you're going to give it a five. I mean, if you don't give it a five, something's okay. wrong. Who knows? It could be a shocker. It could be a if bad I'm film. Three or five, you should be giving all these films <laughs> a five. It could be a bad film. 0.5. Um, <laughs> 0.5. <laughs> everyone, thank you very much for listening. The next time you press play on an episode of Colin Brain versus the MCU, we would have seen Avengers Endgame at last. I remember when we released the first episode, God knows how long ago, and everyone saying, I can't wait for Endgame. We're finally there. Really? <laughs> it's taken really? us a while. Okay. Um, I can't wait. Now Rob can't wait. Colin is going to watch it. On, on the <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't wait to yes, see you guys. It's going to be fun and it's going to be a big episode. Probably a two-parter. Rob, say yeah. bye. Bye. Colin, say bye. Bye. Stay safe, stay well, stay nerdy. Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. Hello, Rob here. So, got to the end of recording this one and we realised not only had we not recorded the jingle, so I whacked them all back in, but we also had one from a listener whose um, handle on Twitter is Fertility Fun. And they said, I don't have a question, so can someone lend me one? So Rob has to sing a song about my username, please. So here we go, off the top of the dome. We got Fertility Fun, Fertility Fun, Mixing Eggs with Spam. From friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work.